Good afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome. Welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. We are your host, Atlas Alux. And uh, if this is your first time joining us, uh, we are so pleased to have you here and um, being a part of season three now. And uh, according to our record, somewhere in the ballpark of 122 episodes of this weekly excursion into the all things esoteric and into the path of the alm of life the path of awakening and self-realization of the being and the path of the spiritual warrior that is our topic for today and that explains our background our thematic background for today <clears throat> We hear a lot uh, about this this term, spiritual warfare, and being a warrior, a uh, spiritual warrior. Today, we hope to be able to shed some light, some much-needed light on that concept. Not just in general terms, but uh, even for ourselves because the battle is ongoing and just when you thought you've got a handle on your adversaries and just when you thought you've overcome the obstacles and just when you thought life can't throw anything else at you it it can and it does and we've all experienced that Just before we continue here, allow us to share the link whereby you can actually jump on and, uh, and participate because today we're going to want to be sharing experiences and sharing case studies where we have faced obstacles, adversaries, and we have had to play that role of the warrior, the spiritual warrior, warrior on the spiritual quest. And there are many adversaries that we face. And the strength to endure and the power to triumph over those adversaries, whomever they may be, is something that we have all 
experienced to one degree or another. We've had to wield that power. We've had to dig deep for that strength. And for some of us, we have turned to elaborate narratives or stories about ourselves, applying to our status, our level of being, and applying to our being himself. Stuart joins us today. Hello, Stuart. Hello there. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for having me. We uh, we enjoyed your comment here a moment ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's always spaghetti time. <laughs> is it? It's always time for spaghetti. Yeah, it? it seems to be. <laughs> Energetic spaghetti. Yes. Well, to be honest with you, we're not sure how much doodling we're going to be doing today. So, uh, um, but we've got the whiteboard ready just in case, just That's in case it comes to that. <laughs> uh, for anyone else who wants to join, uh, there's the more the merrier. There's plenty of room. There's enough room for everybody watching. But uh, in any case, an interesting situation arose this week. And uh, with an individual who, like many of us, and maybe we'll start here, like ourselves included, myself included, uh, when we embark on this path, there are individuals who, uh, let's say, have alternative suggestions or suggestions for alternative paths for us to take and they are very vocal about their opinions <laughs> about the choices we make and the paths we take and it's not the case for everyone but for many of us we in, we encounter a great deal of resistance and a great deal of challenge and obstacles uh, from our family, the people who love us the most, the people who want what's best for us, right? And, uh, oh, pardon me, Stuart, we made you go away. There you are, you're back now. All right. So maybe you can relate to this. Perhaps. Uh, it's ringing big bells in my head right now. Yeah, so it's this is this is an almost a universal uh experience we don't like to assume and we don't like to you know say that it's the case for everyone because if someone uh hasn't had that experience and they've been in a very loving and supportive and um enabling type of environment in their home environment we don't want them to feel like they've somehow been left out or they're missing out in, on something but chances are even those individuals at some point are going to run into obstacles and are going to run into resistance. And some of that resistance are going to come from others, friends, loved ones, uh, romantic partners, what have you. It could be 
you know, career counselors or some other mentor that, uh, or an individual that who, who, um, likes, likes to count themselves as a mentor. And in some cases, rare cases perhaps, but it does happen, family members seem to, they seem to relish in tormenting us. And it's, it seems at times that the individuals who supposedly care for us the most and so supposedly want what's best for us, uh, on the surface at least, they, they, it really doesn't seem that way uh, for some, for some. And for such individuals, it can be very, it can be very trying because uh, there's an expression that goes something like, your friends are God's way of apologizing for your family. <laughs> that resonates. Um, and the thing about family is you will, you will never find anyone except for a spouse. You will never find anyone who can push your buttons better than your family. They just know how to push your buttons. And sometimes it's like they're playing a 1980s arcade game. They're just pushing that button like, you know, mm -hmm. or they're like in, a, in one of those uh, casino slot machines and they're just, they're just tapping the button like crazy. Um, but again, sometimes they can be outright harmful, outright vicious. They seemingly wanting to do us harm. And in such cases... Well, really in all cases, it is very likely that at some point in our life, we have reacted to that opposition. We have react, reacted to that resistance with a great deal of disappointment, confusion, resentment, anger, And, you know, why can't you just let me be me? Why can't you let me do my thing? Or why do you have to try to force this or force that? Or, or, or you know, these types of, these types of uh, challenges, or these types of emotions arise in us, these types of thoughts arise in us. And as soon as we discover the archetype of the spiritual warrior, we might even find ourselves becoming uh, verbally certainly emotionally, but verbally aggressive, possibly even abusive. We feel like we have to stand our ground. We have to, we have to defend ourselves. We have to defend our choices and defend our ability to keep making those choices. And if in the case of verbal abuse or uh, heaven forbid, physical abuse, then it can be a case where we even long for retribution. We, we long for some sort of uh, just reward for those who have caused us pain. And perhaps even if we are not the ones who inflict that, we can harbor those feelings toward them. We can harbor feelings of resentment and feelings of 
a longing for their for their karma to come and and play play itself out so they get what they deserve and they this type of this type of thing and that fire that what some people will call righteous anger you may have heard that expression mm-hmm. and that expression comes first and foremost from the bible but especially people like to point out that episode of jesus ejecting the money lenders from the temple and how he f- overturned the tables and he scorned them and he and he he yeah he booted them out of the temple he chased them out of the temple with violence with and this is what many christians uh interpret as righteous anger but righteous anger is not new it's very limited in the new testament because the new testament is predominantly about jesus and this is the only event really in jesus's life that is in the four gospels where he displayed this type of apparent righteous anger what it's so called but in the old testament we know that the wrath of god <laughs> is all over that book and mm-hmm. and god is god is raising entire cities to the ground he's flooding the world he's he's doing all sorts of things uh he's you know he's toppling the uh, the tower of ba- babel and uh and it just goes on and on and on and oh yes and let let us not forget all the plagues that he brings upon uh egypt um in the story of exodus and and the uh you know moses parting the red sea and then the 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 waters crashing crashing down on the egyptians and it just goes on and on and on there's plenty of violence and death and 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 um destruction that is is chalked up as the wrath of god like right the righteous anger of god an angry god and this this is that where that whole uh god fearing aspect of the abrahamic religions stems from which is carried into christianity and carried into of course islam this this notion that yes god is love and god is this and god is that but just like any parent god has sometimes has to discipline his children and because we have severity and mercy are the two pillars of the tree of life. They're the two aspects of love. And like any parent knows, you can't just be a pushover. You can't just always give a child what, what they want and, you know, give the shower praise and shower the Hallmark greeting card company uh, definition of love or the new age definition of love, positivity and kindness and compassion and all this nonsense you shower that on a child you spare the rod you spoil the child right mm-hmm. and that's that sentiment ties in with the righteous anger that parents are completely fine with feeling and completely fine uh and our family members are completely fine feeling that way about us and our path and you know, and uh, showering their righteous anger on us about why we're not being practical, why we're not 
you know, getting uh, uh, the right job, why we're not, you know, having the right spouse and, you know, producing the right offspring for grandchildren and on and on and on it goes. So we have this disconnect. We have an apparent, uh, an apparent uh, justification or rational rationale for assuming this role of spiritual warrior who is expressing the righteous anger of our innermost being, of our higher self, of our true self, the wrath of God coming through us and directed towards those who are obstructing us, who are blocking us, who are resisting us, who are trying to uh, uh, derail us on our mission, on our life, on our purpose, on our quest for knowledge, or just our quest for ourselves, whatever it is, whatever intuition we are following, and however that's playing out in our lives, there will be people showing up to, to be contrarian and to be sort of abusive in their, in their um, objection to us living our life the way we feel we need to live it, the way we feel we're being told to live it. And so, you know, when an adversary approaches you and they're, you know, fighting with fire, you got to fight fire with fire, right? You can't, you can't be a pushover and you can't take like Gandhi's passive aggressive uh, non-violent <laughs> stance because they'll walk all over you, these people, right? You've got it. You got to do what Jesus did. You got to show righteous anger and like topple the chairs and kick them, boot them out of the, the temple. You got to be the spiritual warrior. You got to fight for what's right. You got to fight for the righteous. You got to fight for what's good and proper and so on and so forth. You get the idea. And when we, well, let's pause. Azazel has a couple quick comments. Let's get them in uh, before we continue. Azazel says, my parents don't tend to push my buttons. Yeah, but you're Swedish, right? So it's, it's like, <laughs> your parents are Swedish. So uh, uh, it's a, but who knows? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a cultural thing or maybe you're just lucky that, that you didn't, uh, or maybe you've got your buttons under control. Maybe they would be push, pressing your buttons had you not done the work that you've already done on yourself. But we'll get to that. And he also says, creating drama has never been their style. And uh, can't blame them, though. Yeah, well, again, but this is the Nordic cultural influence, we feel. Because you go a little bit south <laughs> of those, those, those uh, uh, Scandinavian countries, you st the, the further south you go, the more drama you find, <laughs> like especially when you get into Hungarians and Italians and the, the you know, the Spanish and so on, like we're hot blooded, we're hot blooded uh, people and the culture is all about drama. It's all about melodrama, in fact, right? I mean, look at, look at uh, Italian opera. Um, so, so it might be, it might be mostly a cultural thing. It really is. It really does seem to be like the, the more north you go, uh, 
the culture has a very has a more subdued has a more uh cooler blooded temperament and then the further south you go the culture is is more hot-blooded and 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 hot-tempered and then especially when you go to place like south america and certainly sub-saharan africa uh right you find you you get the latin culture and uh and that's very a very hot-blooded you know with the spicy even the spicy food and stuff like that right like the more further south you go even the food becomes more spicy it's an interesting it's an interesting phenomenon so that might be playing into it as well so speaking of hot and spicy and being hot-blooded and uh having a fiery temperament and reacting with as the spiritual warrior and reacting with that fire and acting out what we believe to be the wrath of God and the righteous anger of our Christ consciousness that's coming through us, defending our innermost, our innermost standing up for himself and telling us that we have to defend ourselves and stand up for ourselves because it's our path and so on. We And when these people can't stand in our way and, and on and on and on uh, it goes at tedium as we have ex already expressed. And in those precise moments, well, perhaps before we get there, you may have discovered in your experience of this, to whatever degree that you've experienced this, with whomever you've experienced it with, that the more that you fought them, the more they keep coming at you. The more you try to defend yourself, the more you try to assert yourself, and the more you try to subdue them as a force of resistance, and you try to get them, like, to bend them to your will, and using the wrath of God, using this righteous anger, you're trying to eject them from the temple, from your temple. Get your, get your bloody fingers out of my pie. Stop trying to control me. And the more you try to do that, the more they keep coming at you, the more they keep pushing you, the more they keep doing the, th the very thing you, you don't want them to do. <laughs> it's, it's uncanny, actually. And the more resentful you get, and the more frustrated you get, the, the more of this righteous anger bubbling up from inside of you takes you to your boiling point. And the more you 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 lose it, and you you become, you know, verbally uh, violent, if not physically violent, but 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 aggressive and forceful and demanding of them. This is my life, and and you need to respect what I'm doing, and you need to fall into line. And you need to let me live my life and stop doing what you're doing to me. And the more you express that, the more they double down on it, and the more they keep coming back. Or even if they don't do it directly, oh, they'll find like little passive aggressive ways of doing it. Little, little just start, start dropping subtle hints here and there. <laughs> In our case, it was uh, our father, 
it was our father who who we had a great deal of friction with, starting at the age of 16. I mean, we were a child prodigy. We were, you know, an A-plus student. We were... We were supposed to go into STEM, right? Or at the very least into something like in pre-law, right? Like we were supposed to be a doctor, a lawyer, a scientist, a God only knows, even like the prime minister of Canada. My, our, our, our parents had incredibly high expectations for us, as did all of our teachers and school counselors and everything else, right? Because for us, school was child's play. I mean, literally, it was a joke. We, we coasted through school. And one day we announced to our parents that we were going to take English and drama. <laughs> and that's when it all that's when it all began, right? And it was this constant battle ever since, right? Because our you know our father was an engineer and a uh, an industrial designer and uh, and and he had very high expectations for us to, and he was also very materialistic and he took care of our family, you know, and he provided for us and, and so on and so forth. Our mother was the artistic one, so she was okay with it, but our, our father was, was, was not. And, um, and it all, it all started from there. And then, you know, without, without going through our entire life story, you'll be able to read about it in our book, by the way, because the entire first part of the book is a hundred pages talking about you know, the, the last 35 years of our life, which accumulated the experience, which gave us a knowledge to be able to write the book that we're writing. That's the, so you're, you're going to be able to read uh, a lot of those details for yourself uh, in the book. But suffice it to say, all along for those 35 years, our father and us were like, like this, constantly, constantly we we're butting heads like to uh male bison right and like because and there was something very alpha male about it because our father is very alpha male and very um dominant domineering and controlling and so on and and we were like we were going to have none of that we were going to be in control of our own life we had that intuition. We knew that nobody could do that. So, so this was this constant you know, uh, uh, conflict and struggle. And to add insult to injury, or to make matters worse, or however you want to phrase it, uh, we were traversing uh, the halls of hell. We were in Hades. The, the, the last 35 years of our life was this, this one successive failure after another. <laughs> every, every entrepreneurial adventure we tried, every path we went down, it all, it all ended up in, in some, some kind of a dead end. The, the rug, and just when we thought we were getting somewhere, and just when we thought we were on the verge of some kind of a breakthrough or success... Life came along and said, uh-uh-uh, and grabbed the, the carpet and yanked it out from under our feet. And we fell hard, hard. And each and every time, we had to come crawling back 
on our hands and knees, bruised and bloodied and broke with no income because the thing that we were working on, everything had just imploded. The number of times our life imploded this way and we had to come crawling back home at, to live in our parents' basement because we had no other option. And then we had to face the wrath of God <laughs> from our father. And then it was all this again, right? So it was just, it was just, it, it, we, we could try to get away, but life would pull us back into this situation. And again, it was just butting heads. And, and every time we approached it, like, okay, well, well, maybe life is doing this because we have to conquer this demon, this, 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 we have to conquer this, this, this opponent, this adversary in our life, this force of anxiety and this force of that's constantly trying to get us to give, give up the path and trying to get us to give in. And you know how many times we tried to appease our father who said, just go out and get a job. Hmm. And we, how many try, times we tried to do that and we weren't even given an interview. Life did not want us working for anybody else. <clears throat> that was not our way. But we figured maybe if we at least can get a job and get out of the house and get out on our own again, maybe for six months or a year or something, we can get our father off our back and we can start doing what we need to do on the side. But in the meantime, we can keep the, the, the wolves at bay, so to speak, right? We can, we can get this adversary in our life and we can, we can get him to, to leave us alone. Because we'll have, you know, like in Shakespeare would say, we, we, we would have the, the, the chinks to show for our efforts. And that's really what he, that's really what it was all about. It was his, the only reason why he was so controlling is that he wanted, he wanted us to be comfortable. He wanted us to be uh, financially independent and, and, and comfortable. And he said, the, you know, go and get a good job with a good company. We even went and did an MBA and everything to, to, to help us to be able to do that. And we, again, we never even got an interview and we had like counselors. We even had a client of ours who had a human resources company where all he does is help companies hire talent. And that client of ours said, I can't help you. I said, well, surely you have, you have all these other clients, you have these companies and clients and your whole thing is, is, is human resources. And, and, and why, why can't you help me? Why won't you help me? He says, you don't understand until nobody's going to hire you. I wouldn't hire you. I'm like, what? He says, because the managers that I answer to don't want me putting someone into a position that in six months time is going to be their boss. <laughs> That's why nobody, that's why nobody, that's why the only, they says, and they said, yeah, but why did you hire me then? Because he was a client. Why did you, he says, because I'm the owner of my company. You can't, you can't leapfrog me. I'm the owner of my company. <laughs> right? and, that, and he says, and he says, he says, look, because we, you know, we, he was a good, he was, he became a friend, you know, not just a client. Right. So we talked, we went in for coffee and drinks and so on and so forth. And we actually socialized with his circle of friends in the Waterloo area here in Kitchener, Waterloo, and uh, near Guelph. And 
And uh, so he knew about my background. He says, he says, let me guess, right? Every single client who's ever hired you has owned the company. And I thought about it. I said, yeah, actually, that's true. <laughs> he says, there you go. There's the only people who are ever going to hire you because mm -hmm. you're a threat to everybody else. <laughs> and no, nobody, no manager, like they want, they want you to be just smart enough. They want you to be just good enough to do what needs to be done inside the box. But anything over and above that, outside the box, that's not a that's not a bonus to them. That's a liability. That's a threat because you're overqualified, and they know that you're not going to be happy in that job, and they know they're not going to that you're that you because you're not happy in that job, you're going to have your eyes on their job, <laughs> and there's a good chance that you can do their job better than they can, and mm -hmm. they can spot that like this. <laughs> So he explained it all to me, right? And I was like, are you, you know, are you pulling my leg? He says, no. He says, like, I absolutely want to help you, right? He says, but, but, uh, you know, but, I, but I'm not going to help you get a job. If anything, what I'll do is, you know, I'll talk to my clients, you know, about what you do and how you do it. And maybe you can, you know, I'll introduce you to some other CEOs, some other, some other owners, some other business owners. And, you know, get you to, you know, have coffee with them, network with them or whatever, and, and see if you can get an informational interview with them or, or, you know, land them as a client or have an informational interview. Maybe they'll create a position for you because that's what you need a company to do, right? For what you are able to do, like for what you do for me, I would, uh, companies would have to create a new position just so you could be who you are and do what you do because, you know, a uh, right-hand man to the owner is not a job description in any company you go anywhere. It just doesn't exist. But that's what you are. That's what you do. As, a, as, as you know, so, so for all these reasons, I was in this, this, this catch-22 where I couldn't get work. I couldn't appease my father. And everything I was doing was ending in failure and I was having to crawl back and live under his roof. And of course, I couldn't explain any of this to him in a way that he would accept as valid. And so we just, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And this kept going and going and going and going and going. And then again, the more I asserted myself as the spiritual warrior of standing up for myself and being a man and, and, and the righteous anger and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff, the the more the more my father resisted and the more my father came at me the more my father became passive aggressive and he would just email me jobs email me job postings he would like spam me with job postings oh you would be really good for this you would be really good for this you would be really good for this and it's like you know you know hint hint right and this kept going on and on and on and on and on and i couldn't break the cycle there's nothing I could, right? Until, and if you've been in the same situation, you know that, that you've been stuck in the same place. And you've been stuck on the same, you know, going around and around and, and you can't, it's a stalemate. It's, it appears to be a stalemate or a Chinese finger puzzle. 
If you know what a Chinese finger puzzle is, you put your fingers in two sides and and it's made out of paper or it's made out of um, uh, paper or uh, reeds or something. But it's woven. It's a woven, like a little tube. And if you stick your fingers in both ends and you try to pull them out, the harder you pull, the more tightly you, you're trapped in there. It's like in the case of the, the, the spiritual war, you have an adversary that's your match. And the harder you the harder you push, the harder they push back. Mm-hmm. That was the Chinese finger puzzle. The harder you pull, the more tightly it grips you. And it was really when I finally said, you know, this this has got to stop. And I finally, instead of assuming and instead of believing in the righteous anger and the wrath of God and all that nonsense and the spiritual warrior bullshit, at least the way I thought about it and I believed it and I was acting it out and that very personal relationship that that had gone all the way back to you know childhood and teenage years so there's a lot of baggage there there's a lot of resentment it wasn't until i realized when i was uh you know meditating on my own demon of fear and fear is control that and when i became very cognizant and more conscious and in these encounters with my father and through other things i became very cognizant that my father was a mirror he wasn't an adversary he wasn't an opponent that was the illusion that was my projection what he was was a mirror and all the control that he was putting onto me was triggering not the wrath of God, not righteous anger, the righteous anger of Christ consciousness. No, it was triggering the demon, the demon of fear, who fears being controlled, who fears losing control, losing control over his life and his circumstances and his future. And so when someone tries to control you, you say, screw that. No one's going to no control me. I'm in control. And that's, that's fear. That's your fear of losing control. So you hold on to control. If someone's trying to steal control away from you, you're going to get it back, God damn it. And you're going to be right to do so, right? That's righteousness. That's self-righteousness. There's the righteous wrath of God and blah, 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 blah. The bullshit we tell ourselves. And the bullshit that is rife in the spiritual community, in the new age, and in all those Abrahamic religions that completely misunderstand and misinterpret the stories and the allegories. Because they are stories they are allegories. 
Christ ejecting the moneylenders from the temple is an allegory. And the wrath that he shows, the mercilessness that he shows, is towards his egos that he is ejecting from his temple. Those material aspects of ourself, those earthly, worldly aspects that are only concerned, whose only concern is our currency, our energy, our consciousness. And they're trading energy and consciousness in our temple. And as you know, money lenders lend at interest. The, the global banksters are what they are because as within, so without. Be neither a borrower nor lender be. This is, this is a direct uh, lesson being given to our lower self and the egos that want to be a money lender. And you know, so many people have this wrath towards the bank, the, the, the banksters and the global money lenders that is secretly envy. They're envious. So many in the conspiracy uh, group, uh, the conspiracy uh, uh, camp, and the ones who you know are so, always going on about our, our, our global masters who rule us and all this kind of stuff. Secretly, they envy Bill Gates. They envy Klaus Schwab. They envy the Rockefellers. Why? Because they want to be in control. I want to be in control of my own life. And these, these arseholes are trying to control me and enslave me and rule me. But I'll show them I'm in control of my own life. And the anger and the frustration and the vitriol and the hatred the projection of the righteous anger. The more we fall into that category, that archetype of the so-called spiritual warrior, the more we are defeated because the adversary is always within. The adversary on the path is always within. We have no adversaries out there. We don't. There is no opposition outside of us. Everything that we face, every obstacle that we face, every test, every ordeal, everything we must conquer, and every triumph is within. That is the work of a true spiritual warrior, a warrior of spirit. But the battlefield for the spirit is in the supernal worlds. It's in the spirit realm. It's a metaphysical battle. But as within, so without. All of these, all this adversarial stuff, all these obstacles out there and all these people out there all of that 
is being orchestrated by our own divine mother. <laughs> Why? To be a mirror for us. To bring someone into our life that's going to doggedly keep at us and pushing our buttons until we wake up and realize that they are pushing up a button of something which of, 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 of a machine, of a mechanical entity. They are triggering something inside of us that's inside of us. They're not putting it there. Our Divine Mother put them in our life to teach us, to show us, because these mechanical entities, they are passive-aggressive, insidious, clever, ingenious uh, parasites. And like we've often said, egos prefer their anonymity. They want, they hide in the shadows. They hide in our subconscious mind. And down there, they can, they can fester, they can rage, they can do all these things. For example, fear in the subconscious mind, raging, any ego raging, but certainly fear and the anger that's associated with fear, fear in the subconscious mind, it, it radiates up and outward from us in many different ways. But one of the two dominant, prominent ways that people suffer from this in this day and age is depression and anxiety. And they don't know what's wrong with them. They don't know why they're depressed. That's why that's, even the doctors and psychologists, everybody tell you, you don't need a reason to be depressed. You just depressed. But there is a reason, there is a cause. But that cause is buried deep in the subconscious. And you've probably, those people have probably become numb or they've run away from and they've avoided and they just keep avoiding any and all drama and any all conflict around them. And because they keep dodging and avoiding budding heads or they don't let anybody get to them to press that button to trigger that demon to come up out of the subconsciousness because it's then that you can catch a glimpse of it. You, can, you can't fight an adversary that you cannot see. You cannot fight an adversary who doesn't come to the field of battle. What comes into our mind is one of our experiences in the astral plane where it was a dream within a dream. When we woke up, we, we experienced waking up and we came out into this very room that we are in right now doing this, this, this live stream and the entire room was completely ransacked. And we knew that it was our demon who came and ransacked our room. So we called out to him. You coward. Where are you? Come and face me like a man. Come face me, mano y mano. Let's have it out. Do you think he showed up? Of course not. Because demons are terrorists. 
They 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 use hit and run tactics. They play dirty. They're the kind of adversary like Commodus in Gladiator. When he faces Russell Crowe in the end. Well, make sure that, you know, I stab him before he goes in and I have an extra knife hidden and and all the rest of it, right? These are the these are the these are the people who play dirty. Egos don't play fair. And they and they will strike from the shadows and they will stab us in the back and they will attack us when we least expect it and when we're not looking. How do you fight an adversary like that? Well, our Divine Mother orchestrates it for us. She brings into our life individuals like uh, like Azazel here. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Who's go, who's here to who's here to trigger all of us <laughs> and bring a whole bunch of melodrama into our life as is the Swedish way? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, as if. But you see where we're you see where we're we're coming from, and you see what we're getting to. Yeah. And um, and this is why, when we fight fire with fire, they they they, they it doesn't let up. Our 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 the, our external tormentors, our external adversaries, those obstacles, they don't let up because our divine mother doesn't give up on us. And so our external tormentors aren't going to stop pushing our buttons because we need to see the source of fear and anger and resentment and frustration inside of us. And we need to, we need to realize how we're being brainwashed in our mind to believe that this is righteous anger and I am entitled to feel this way and I'm entitled to demand that the people in my life I'm entitled to demand that the people in my life acquiesce to how I want them to be Do you realize what a selfish, narcissistic idea that is? To demand that others acquiesce and to demand that others and people and circumstances around you shape themselves and mold themselves and change themselves just for you or just for me? There's nothing, there, there is no more narcissistic worldview than that. And when we recognized, when we comprehended all of this in meditation, in our own relationship with our own father, and we realized he's suffering in the same demon that we're suffering from, only he doesn't have seizures. So it's, it's, it's at a different level perhaps but but he's but he's completely gripped by it and his a type personality control freak thing is 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 he's 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 utter and he's so afraid for us he's so fearful of our future and this is this is what motivates him and moves him in that if only we let go of our need for our father's approval 
And if only we could let go of our need for our father to acquiesce to the uh, uh, Dr. Huxtable model of, uh, of, of parenting that we grew up watching in the 80s on, on sitcoms, on television. You know, Dr. Huxtable and, you know, the, the, all these father figures and family ties and all these other, you know, back when, back when you were allowed to show strong, compassionate, caring men in a family right and all of these these understanding and and oh you know there's a little bit of drama but but it was really a, a sitcom anyway and so they all you know they all made up at the end of every episode and yeah you can do what you want to do and blah 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 and i was always dreamt of how wonderful it would be to have you know um uh uh mr brady right <laughs> from the brady bunch as a father right because all of these father figures on television but they were the hallmark greeting card they were hollywood's idea of what a good father is and that kind of father would have completely how would i have turned out how would i have turned out with that kind of father i was given the father i needed to have it was very hard on me and very controlling and why because because that's what i was and he was that because i wanted him so desperately to be something else i wanted him I was pushing, I was forcing my demands and my desires onto that other individual. And so when they reacted to that, and when they were playing out the role that our Divine Mother had uh, given to them to play, because everyone in our family and everyone who's in our circles are all part of our soul family, if we are on the path, and especially if we are on the path and they are not, they are playing that role for our sake. They're being exactly what we need them to be, not what we want them to be, but what we need them to be. And that is these outward mirrors and these outward obstacles and these seemingly adversaries that, that get our back up and push our buttons because that's what we need to happen so that we can take up our weapons and fight the fight where it really needs to be fought. And that's, that's in here. Not out there, it's in here. Always in here. And when we comprehended this, and when we prayed and, you know, we let go of our need for our Father to be anyone else or anything else, and to change or any... You know what? Live and let live. The moment we comprehended that, our father stopped imposing his will on us. Because we stopped imposing our will, our desire on him. And in that moment, we realized because our our family, in our case, maybe not yours, maybe not everyone's, but in our case, our family was a microcosm for the world. The materialism and, you know, the rationality and, and all the rest of it. We grew up in, a, in what was a high drama and kind of uh, hostile not hostile is not the right word, but it could get very 
difficult, very challenging. And, and I mean, there was a, there was one time in our life where our family had got together and had an intervention. They actually tried to have us committed to a mental institution. I think we've, 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 we've shared that story before. So, I mean, if you want to call that hostile, then, you know, but we were prepared for what's waiting for us out there in the world via the gymnasium of our family. And we were able to let go of this need and, and we weakened the demon's hold over us, stranglehold over us, when we recognized that all this righteous anger and wrath of God shit and all this self-righteousness and I'm in control of my life and nobody controls me and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff was all the demon, was all demon. But boy, oh boy, did it feel like it was righteous anger. And boy, oh boy, did the mind immediately, you know, have Jesus throwing moneylenders out of temples and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And oh boy, this is, this is, atlas and this is a looks in the fierce light of christ and blah blah and all the bullshit we told ourselves and that's what it was and we would go places and these like new age people would like read us and stuff and oh we see this spiritual warrior inside of you and blah 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 and they would just like shower us with this 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 uh flattery and yeah, we have the same kind of relationship with our father. Um, not any longer, but uh, we used to. Uh, like, especially when it uh, came to jobs and uh, things like that, it was uh, very important. So um, when we went our own way, there would arise a certain conflicts. Uh, and... Uh, but one time when he repeatedly like made it into a conflict, I basically just exploded. And uh, after that, uh, after that happened, he never got mad at me again. So it's like one of those um, things that I do not prefer to get my uh, buttons push uh, pushed. Because if my patience runs over, I, I only get pissed once and it's all over. And uh, since then, uh, it was as if, as if something died, basically. He, he was basically neutralized uh, since that day. Well, it's a different... Uh... A different take a different experience so that's what <laughs> it's it's that's what happened and that's it um we uh we shared you know first and foremost our experience of this because we know we uh know someone who was very close to us who's uh experiencing something very similar and they're only now realizing that um, they've been the abuse that they've been suffering at the hands of family members uh, has been their own doing. 
and that they have the power to they have the power to uh to just to, like snap like that and it's all over yeah i'm in that position it, right it, now it's a one-time thing like uh once it boils over it's basically game over Stuart, you 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 uh you wanted to share something i'm in that position right now i've blown i blew it just through the hand grenade oh yeah <laughs> the uh the reason why we 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 share this because um the number of times that we had confrontations with our father and the number of times that this friend of ours has had confrontations with um her family um she's even taken them to court so they're like there's been court cases in 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 there right so the legal system involved and so and that's you know it's you know it's bad when you have to get third parties and legal <laughs> systems and so on uh but and and again she it's 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 not letting up they won't let up and there's nothing she can do and there's nothing she can say and there's no amount of her losing her temper or anything else that's going to make it any better because again she's uh, she's going through something very similar to what we went through, and she's uh, now finally uh, awakening to to the fact that she's been she's been bringing it in. She's bringing she has been bringing it upon herself. She's finally beginning to understand the lesson that she's that that f those family members are trying to teach her. And that is to let go of our need to control others and let go of our need to demand that others acquiesce to how we want them to be. Because the be, more... Sorry, go ahead. Would it be um, accurate to say that in the plot role of a family dynamics, the others are there to act as your temperance? To act as your temperance? Yeah. So um, whether they're doing it deliberately or not, passively or not, they are knocking you into shape like you're the raw uh, piece of spiritual steel or whatever material you happen to be born as. And uh, through your own journey, if you come to a journey of, spiritual awakening because i grew up in a family that wasn't thinking remotely spiritual mm -hmm. and none of the whole family none of them still do i'm the, the lone ranger within us that has gone <laughs> spirit needs to come before everything else <laughs> and, I, and i'm not deviating from that and then the more 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 i've gone in that direction the more resistance i'm getting back from them i see my narcissistic traits and my um um, getting to a point without boring you all with the entire family history but we ended up on a massive family holiday a couple of weeks ago 16 of us and i lasted two days before i threw the hand grenade oh <laughs> and, uh, um so okay so if we understand uh what you're suggesting or what you're asking when you say temperance you're using the um the word in the sense of 
tempered steel. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Yes and no. Yes, in the sense of they are the, your family are, your family is, your family is the crucible. It is the, um, uh, oh gosh, what, is it, it's, it's not, a, it, is it, it's not a kiln, it's not an oven. What do you, what, what, what heats up the, for, for when you're doing a, steel? A furnace. A furnace. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> not I was thinking hot, pottery. I was thinking all these other things, but I could furnace just didn't come to mind. Okay. So, so there, or the crucible, right. Or the furnace. So they, they turn up the heat, mm. but, uh, that alone won't do it. Right. That alone doesn't forge the steel and it doesn't temper the steel. No. Right, you need a blacksmith. You need somebody who's actually going to fold the steel and and hammer the steel. Mm -hmm. And that is your job. That's your divine mother's job. We are, we are the, uh, we are the both the marble and the sculptor. And we have. Um, uh, a actually we have a, a fantastic uh, image that we have in one of our memes that that talking about uh, that talking about this very thing if of course it never fails you can never find these things when that's the problem with being a prolific uh, creator of memes is that <laughs> You have this folder on your computer with hundreds and hundreds of little thumbnail images, and you're looking for the one. <laughs> you're looking for the one that you're trying to share in the moment, and it's like, ah, oh, gosh. Um, if we were smart, we would have done it alphabetically or thematically or some damn thing. But the other thing too is Windows. For whatever reason, it's uh, it it like changes how it organizes things all the time and it never tells you that it's doing it. So you're like, so let me make them bigger and then hopefully I can find it. Um, Stuart, do you also have a white stripe on your hair? <laughs> like, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The same. <laughs> Had that since I was young. Yeah. Same here. Kind of cold. Oh. If I grow my hair long, I get a huge big, <laughs> Yeah, in Sweden they call it like the stroke of a genius for some reason. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. So you may have seen this meme at some point in the past. It's about Michelangelo carving David out of the block of marble. And the suggestion here is that like it's it's this is the meme that we share with people that like to talk about how we're all gods and we're all this and we're all that and everything else and say, No, you're that in potentiality in the same way that David was in that block of marble. But this is the uh, the image that uh, I was referring to. This is a wonderful sculpture. I don't know who does who did that sculpture because I'm so terrible with names. I can't tell you who made it. But it's this amazing sculpture of the sculptor is sculpting himself out of the stone. And, and that's exactly what we need to be. Mm -hmm. As, as we are uh, confronted by 
the circumstances in our life that is that is creating that furnace or that crucible, those conditions that make, you know, turn us from granite into marble, if that's the right analogy, or to that, that softens the steel, that makes it easily pliable, that makes it easy to work with. And then the hammer is our willpower. Because as the heat rises and we are, the fire gets turned up, our steel becomes malleable and uh, volatile. The temperance comes with the hammering of the steel when it's in that state, the folding it and the hammering of it. That hammer is the whip of willpower. That's in, uh, in Egypt and in, um, uh, in the ancient world. You always see them holding a flail and an and a uh, and a shepherd's crook. The shepherd's crook represents the spinal column, and the flail or the whip is the whip of willpower. And all the pharaohs, when they have their arms crossed, they're holding that shepherd's crook in their right hand, and they're holding the flail in their left. And the shepherd is uh, mercy. And the flail is severity, the severity and mercy of love that we show ourselves. This is self-love. And so when our family is turning up the heat around us and we're getting hot under the collar, that's when we need the willpower to not give in to that anger boiling up inside us, but to hammer ourselves and hone ourselves, right? You temper your, yourself. And then what do you do? Also, after you've done that, you you plunge the uh, steel into the uh, into the trough, into the water, and you cool the steel. So that's the process of of tempering steel. You go from heat back to cold, but only after you've worked the steel while it was hot, because it's when the steel is hot that it can be worked. When it's cold, it can't be worked, and that go that that relates directly to what we were saying about how when we're not triggered, we can't see our demons, we can't see our egos, because they're hidden, they're in our subconscious mind, they're being sneaky, and they're working on us, and they're doing their thing in that very uh, clever and uh, uh, insidious and covert way. But when we are triggered, that demon, that it's there, it's coming out of us if we allow it to. So the, the, the hammer is there of willpower to not indulge that anger, not indulge that frustration, not indulge those thoughts of, of uh, retribution, those, those thoughts that come to our mind, you'll, you'll get what's yours one of these days. You'll see. Or I'll do, you know what I mean? All these, all of this, all of these, uh, these analogies and these symbols are basically expressing the same thing. So you can, whichever analogy, whichever uh, allegory works best for you, whether it's the Egyptian, the flail, because what do you use a flail for? It's the whip. That's what you whip the beast uh, into submission, right? And 
that's was taken a little bit too far by in the medieval times by the uh, by certain Catholics who would whip themselves, right? This self-flagellation. They would physically whip themselves with a whip. And that's stupid, right? You don't get any, you can't get anywhere doing that. But psychologically, metaphysically, you have to be there with your whip to be able, when you see the animal ego mechanical self reacting and bubbling up to the surface, that's where the warrior has his weapons. And the weapons of the warrior, so the weapon of the magician is the staff, or is the rod, is the uh, the uh, uh, the shepherd's crook. That's our innermost magician, as the staff, the wise man, the wizard, right? Like Gandalf. But then we have our warrior who has his weapon, which is the flail, the whip of willpower. And to be a spiritual warrior means to be, like Samael says, we must be like a guard um, in a time of war. It's one of his most famous quotations about um, about uh, about the ego, and it goes something like this. If we really want true peace, we must learn how to live like a guard in times of war, always alert and vigilant, with a quick and flexible mind, because peace is not a matter of romantic fantasies or beautiful daydreams. And peace does not arise when we defeat opponents out there. <clears throat> this is what a spiritual warrior is. This image, this quote, we must always be guarded against the adversary which is within. And, uh, and again, like you were describing, the, the furnace, the crucible, the, the, whether it's family, whether it's work, wherever we find ourselves, where um, in wherever we find ourselves where we are encountering obstacles and challenges and trials and difficult people and resistance and all the rest of it all of that is there because there's something we need to overcome inside of us it's like every mountain climber will tell you, it's not the mountain you conquer, you conquer yourself. The mountain is just the catalyst. And when you, you overcome that which, you overcome your own limits, your own limitations, and then lo and behold, you will find yourself at the top of the mountain. If you keep doing that, if you keep facing your limits, and facing what's holding you back, and facing what's holding you down. We uh, often have used the expression, enlightenment is less about light and more about mass. Enlightenment means to become lighter. And if you could envision an ox cart filled with heavy boulders, and this beast of burden trying to drag this this cart up up a mountain and it's just weighing it down it's holding it back so what do you do right it's it's your job 
you're driving this ox cart, this beast of burden can't can't do all these these uh these boulders. So you you take a boulder and you throw a boulder off, and you keep throwing boulders off until you've lightened the load and are able to ascend, because you no longer have all that density weighing you down what you what you might consider low <clears throat> low vibrations heaviness that that suffering and that anger and that frustration and that resentment and that envy and everything else that comes with projecting onto others our so-called righteous anger or that's weighing us down that's that's us putting boulders in our ox cart and true peace comes when we recognize that the adversary is within and we we comprehend that we comprehend our ego and now around us outside of us our divine mother says oh well he's learned his lesson but he doesn't need that he doesn't need the, that uh, that particular obstacle there in his life anymore and that boulder is thrown off the cart. And we feel a little bit lighter on our feet. We feel a little bit lighter. We have become a little bit more enlightened. This is the process of enlightenment. This is the process of awakening. Awakening is becoming less is becoming less asleep. Enlightenment is becoming less heavy, dense, and physical and mechanical, and more ephemeral lighter, more subtle. It's not this magical, mystical thing where in a blink of an eye you go from being asleep to going to be, and becoming awake. And you're suddenly enlightened and you're suddenly a Buddha. It's not like that. It's only step by step. It's a slow, arduous process is what it is. It's just like a katana blade being forged and tempered and folded over 500 times and being hammered out and be being made over six months, one blade, right? So now, now put that into the context of, 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 a, of a, the, the temperance and the forging of the human soul. And then the other nice thing about the, uh, oh, that's what the name is. The it's a forge, the forge. It's a forge. <laughs> It just came into mind because because what comes into mind when we talk about temperance and the creation of the human soul is of course is uh, is white tantra is sexual alchemy, and uh, and uh, Samael's uh, favorite expression was calling this the forge working in the forge of Vulcan, and um, forge of Vulcan, the forge of Vulcan. Yes, what's that? Yes, what's that? What's the Forge of Vulcan? Well, the Forge of Vulcan is sex. Okay. Right? It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, but, well, I mean, obviously, see, but Vulcan, of course, it's, you know, vul, uh, uh, Vulcanism is, is volcanoes, the science of volcanoes. Mm. And Forge is for, so really, it's, uh, it's interesting because, uh, from a, from a metaphysical point of view, an allegorical point of view, the Ring of Power is forged in the fires of Mount Doom. 
and that ring of power represents the wheel of samsara, right? It, the the wheel of becoming or the the, the wheel of suffering, mm. and it can only be undone in the in the fires in which it was forged. That's why Frodo and Sam have to drop it into the fire in Mount Doom. I had a flash of an image when you brought up forge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and the, the image was the difference of two metal processes, one to be forged and one to be cast. Right. And when that came up, I wasn't quite sure what, where that was going in my head. But as you continued to speak, I was like, oh, okay. In the, <laughs> in, the, in the dynamics of the family, it's like, because I've been consciously on this spiritual journey, existence, it's like I'm the blacksmith trying to forge my own sword, but they're prepared to accept their role as a cast version. That's very interesting. That's very interesting because, uh, well, that's... Because you can, you know, anyone can become the blacksmith if they want to go on that journey, but if you choose not to, it's a... I'm not sure it's right to say this, but an inferior version of the sword. Or well, not, an, not an inferior, but a... Uh, I'll put it this way if i go into battle i want to take a forged sword not a cast sword i know i know which one breaks quicker <laughs> yes and um and certainly uh if there are any chefs watching um they will tell you that a uh, a drop forged kitchen knife is heads and tails over stamped steel or any other any other uh yeah. any other methodology uh save save perhaps for an obsidian blade but uh, but <laughs> we don't really you can't get obsidian blades uh, 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 kitchen knives anymore. So um, that's mm -hmm. that, that died out uh, uh, that died out with the uh, the uh, Incas and uh, sorry the Mayans and the Aztecs. Um, mm -hmm. There's let's let there's a few uh, super chats. Um, Zazel of course uh, was saying uh, a Swede only gets pissed at you when you uh, ski slope uh, the cheese. Okay. What is ski sloping the cheese? It's like when you have the cheese and you push uh, further down, it creates like a slope in the in cheese. And that's pretty annoying because uh, then you have to scrap up the cheese from the top. Use a better knife. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh first world problems <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know you have it good you know you have it good when this is this is what this is what the problem that you face is ah someone look what they did with the cheese <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious um i i told you i think i told you this uh before i i dated a a, a swedish woman once yeah uh, she was also a gnostic um, but I, I never, maybe it's because I don't do that with the cheese that maybe she never brought that up. We never fought about that. So <laughs> <laughs> I never had any cheese related arguments with her. Let's put it that way. Um, so this is, this is new to me. Okay. He also says, uh, Nordic, uh, he also said, uh, Nordic countries, uh, tend to have a Medusian kind of kind rage once yeah, kind of their rage, patient yeah. runs out. It's a very rare sight. So. So what you're basically telling us and what you're suggesting is that really 
it's not that you're it's not that you're uh, cold blooded. It's just that you're really, really, really good at suppressing your anger. Yeah. And then and then eventually you that 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 strategy only works so much. And then and then you what you're basically telling us it's like it's kind of like Iceland. Every now and yeah. then a volcano erupts and the entire world goes into darkness for yeah. for, for three That's days. That's basically like the culture here. It's like they are very good at expressing it until they can't <laughs> suppress it any longer. And then it, and then it then it's a violent eruption. Yeah. Same in the UK. Um so Benjamin Ochoa says, uh, this is hitting home with my mom with, with, uh, this is hitting home with me. My mom has, has, uh, me saved in her phone as Benjamin, the stubborn. <laughs> well, uh, there you go. Um, all right. So the uh, the point of all of this was to uh, give us an opportunity to recognize what really the war that we're fighting is and what kind of a conflict it is. And the opponents that we face, our adversary, as I described it, is crafty. They don't fight mano a mano. They don't fight fair. <clears throat> and they don't fight openly. And they certainly don't fight honestly. It's We were about to say a conflict, the spiritual conflict, is all but perfectly allegorized as the game of chess. Except that chess is equal, it's balanced, it's open, and it's honest. It's also fair. Now, you might argue that it's if you are matched against a master and you're only a neophyte, then it's not fair. And you can also argue <clears throat> that, for example, when IBM's Deep Blue played Garry Kasparov and beat Kasparov, it was not fair because really all they did with Deep Blue is they threw more and more processing power at the computer until it could think further ahead in more permutations and combinations than Kasparov could. So eventually, <clears throat> IBM's uh, deep blue computer could anticipate every possible combination in any possible situation. So in that sense, uh, we could still argue that chess is the perfect allegory for the type of spiritual warfare that we are fighting. Our opponent is mechanical. It's like Gary Kasparov playing against Deep Blue. And yes, it's it's been designed for a match of equals. And Gary Ka and, and Kasparov did defeat Deep Blue a number of times in that 
in that matchup. The first time they played, Kasparov beat Deep Blue altogether. And then and then the second time they, they fought, I think Kasparov won three matches and they drew a couple and then the rest Deep Blue won and then it was declared the, uh, the, the winner. <clears throat> but the point that we're uh, trying to make here is this, the ego loves, loves to masquerade as our higher self. And when we are on the path, mystic pride, righteous anger, all of these notions and ideas that we have that have been planted inside of us or that we rationalize our own mind rationalizes for us for persisting with behaviors and persisting with uh, actions which are rationalized and justified for ourselves. And when we're on the path, those rationalizations and justifications always come wrapped in a kind of righteousness, in a kind of goodness. And a kind of no, no, no. This you're really doing this thing because, because you know you're you know you're trying to do this good thing. So it's other in other words, it's wrapped in good intentions. But we know that that's the road to hell. But we have to be vigilant. So vigilant, in fact, that. Uh, just again, if you'll if you'll uh, indulge us and forgive us, another example. Just this week, this week, you know that we're working on this book, and you know that uh, this book has been a long time coming. The work that went into the preparation. Uh, that led to the knowledge and experience that enables us to even write this book was 35 years. And not only that, you also know from our, the first part of our story is that for those 35 years, those 35 years were marked by constant failure and constant short-lived successes and short-lived, but always hope, always potential, always this this, this, this incredible opportunity that was presented to us, which we were told to pursue doggedly with all our heart and soul. And then when we were within a hair's breadth of grasping it, it poof! <laughs> or boom! To use Stuart's hand grenade is maybe the better, the, the, the better analogy here. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't much so much as just evaporated. It blew up in our face. And then we went crawling back home on our hands and knees to go live in our parents' basement again to figure to, to, to try to regroup and, and then and then find the next thing that was gonna be the, the big thing, the great thing. This is why we were on the put on the and every single time, every single time the still soft voice was whispering, This is why you're here, this is what you need to do, this is what and you know, and then and then boom, it blew up in our face, and we went crawling back home. And, and, but each time it's like, 
we we didn't know we couldn't know we couldn't possibly know until we actually sat down and looked at our blog which is 10 years it's it's over 10 years now we have articles and stuff on atlas.info and then we were actually looking at the world today and all these four pillars of the great awakening and that word the great awakening came to us this is only like what just a few short months ago back in april march something like that maybe maybe a little bit further back but certainly this year when we finally realized the past 35 years of our life was giving us the experience of being uh, a social justice warrior, <clears throat> of being indoctrinated into woke culture, of, of, of being a conspiracy theorist and falling down that rabbit hole, that rabbit hole of anger and resentment and projection and, 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 and righteousness and how all these, you know, blah, 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 controlling us and all this kind of stuff. And actually uh, working through all of that and then 9-11 happening and all, the, you know, all that, all that stuff. And then also in those 35 years, this, 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 uh, the, the epilepsy and, and the depths to which <clears throat> we fell into hell with that and the, the, the holes drilled in our skull and the bundle of cables, uh, you know, all the electrodes inserted under our skull uh, uh, against our brain and, and this bundle of cables coming out of the back of the, our head like we were Neo in the Matrix. And we were plugged into this supercomputer and this, this, this AI, this, this computer was telling the doctors what part of our brain he needed to cut out to give us 50-50 chance of curing our epilepsy. We were a cybernetic organism. We were transhumanist. Okay, the computer didn't fit on a chip and the, it wasn't a chip implanted in our head because it was still, you know, primitive technology by, by comparison. But the electrodes were on our brain and a computer was deciding our fate. That's, that's transhumanism. We were a cyborg. And we were a cyborg in that pinnacle moment in our life. And, and we were tested. It was presented with us. And the experts, the top neurologist in this country at London Health Sciences, the university hospital where, the, where they have their, where, where they perform the surgery on us. He was telling us, this is, this is your best option. This is your best option. And so we had to go through that. No one, no one really understands the implications of transhumanism and becoming cybernetic organisms and this implanting chips on our head and all that nonsense. Nobody really understands what that means until they've been in a situation where a computer was telling the top neurologist and scientist or the top neurologist and, and, and physician was advising him on how to proceed with a life altering thing, like a partial frontal lobectomy, cutting out one quarter of somebody's brain and putting that decision in the hand of a computer, a machine, a lifeless, soulless, heartless machine at the end of the day, 
it's just going to do what it's been programmed to do, which is to spit out an answer. It doesn't know if that's the right answer. It's a machine. All it knows is that it has to give an answer, which is why transhumanism and AI is the most dangerous thing because AI, we already know, chat GPT and these large language models, they lie. They make stuff up. <laughs> they make stuff up. Why, why would a machine make stuff up? Well, because it's in its programming that it has to produce an output. And if in its prompt, it's given all of these conditions, the, pro the, the output has to be like this, and it has to be like that, and it has to do this, and it has to do that. Then the machine goes, oh, well, okay, well, I guess I, I, I need to have this and that and the other thing. And if it can't find in its database, if it hasn't learned those things, if it doesn't have access to those things, no problem. I'll just make them up. It's the same thing that we used to do in high school, right? When we wrote papers in the last minute and the, the teacher said, oh, you have to have at least 12 references. We all made up quotes and we all made up references and we all made up bullshit bibliographies. We all did it. We all did it. Why? Because it was demanded of us. <laughs> this stupid, yeah. artificial, arbitrary uh, uh, activity, this thing that was presented to us, and that we're like this, this completely intellectual uh, uh, book learning, uh, uh, nonsensical, rational mind exercise. So, of course, the rational mind is going to say, nah, she's not going to look them up. She's not going to look them up. How is she going to look them up? We didn't have an internet back then. <laughs> We didn't even have an internet. What, the teacher was going to go to the library and look up our the, these books? No, it was never going to happen. <laughs> we all knew that. So we did what we knew what we could get away with, and we did. <laughs> because that's what machines do. That's what the rational mind does. That's what the ego does. The ego tests its limits and see what it can get away with. So we lived that. We, we were that. We... we, we and then, of course, the new age stuff, right? And we, we, like many people on the path, we all have had our brush uh, with the new age and 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 all of that nonsense. So, bringing it back to uh, this week, then we're working on the final chapter of the book, um, and we are within the end is in sight. We have all sorts of you know our diagrams i mean well we'll see what the publisher has to say about the quality and, and so on and whether or not they things need to be tweaked and so on but um we are definitely within within the goalpost, right but now what's uh what was bubbling up and what was coming up was um the whole issue around marketing and the whole issue about getting exposure for the book and um and we won't bog you down with the technical details, but there's one aspect about being able to send people um, review copies of the book so that they can review them. Uh, Amazon has this rule that you can't buy Kindle ebooks for people outside of your country. So if I live in Canada, I can buy an ebook for for people in Canada, but I can't go onto Amazon.com and buy an ebook on Amazon.com and send it to someone in the States. So 
uh, and these book clubs that require the author to send them an ebook, they're all in the States, right? They have 5 million members and so on and so forth. And then, you know, you, you send them a review copy and then they, they post that to their members who are always looking for new and interesting books to read. And then they can, you know, read it and write a review and so on and so forth. But I can't get them a, a Kindle copy of our book because I'm in Canada. And so I tried everything. I tried like setting up an account on amazon.com and I tried like, but then, but then you need a, you need a, a U.S. phone number to verify. So we had to go and like, we have to get like, we had to get a, a U.S. phone number so that we could text message to verify the account. And we went through all jumping all through these hoops, these hoops, these hoops until eventually we got to the point where yes, we had a U.S. account. Yes, we could go. And, and then it came to buy the book and we don't have a U.S. bank account. We don't have a U.S. credit card. So Amazon said, no, nope, you can't buy you can't buy this uh, this book you uh, um, uh, because you have a Canadian payment and uh, you can't use a Canadian payment on the American site. And they don't they don't accept PayPal. And the reason why this is because the publishers are very strict about this because of the way the publishing business works and the distribution, uh, the publishing rights and the copyrights are all by country. And so you can't have, they don't want books crossing borders. And so that's why, because anyway, it's a complex thing. It's a, it's a business thing, but, uh, regardless, um, we were, we, all of this stuff and we ended up feeling really, really burnt out by the end of the week and kind of worried and about, you know, this and that. And then we, because this book really needs to be successful. It, it needs to succeed. And our poor father, who's not in the best of health, uh, he is still very worried about us and still very worried about our future. And it's like, he can't die in peace because he's so worried about what's going to happen to us after he's gone. And part of us is like, would be really, it would be really good for him if he could, uh, I mean, it's the least we could try to do is try to show some financial success and <clears throat> show him that we can actually make a go of this writing books thing that we could actually make, we can actually make a living doing this. And so being able to market the book, being able to get to these, these book clubs, you see, it's all connected. And, uh, and our heart was really in the good, in, in the right place. Our, our, we had the best of intentions is that we'd like to alleviate our father's suffering. He's only got, we don't know how much time he has left. He might have a year or two. He might have a month or two. We don't know, but he's in that kind of precarious position with his health. He's 84 years old. He has heart problems and all kinds of other stuff, Di type two diabetes and just the list goes on. And so it was just like, because we did make peace with him, because he has been off our back, because he has allowed us to spend all of our time writing this book. And he hasn't questioned anything. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't, like I said, like you said, because he's, we, we let go of all that control and he doesn't try to control us anymore. But wouldn't it be nice to be able to give him that peace of mind that he can die in peace knowing that 
we can take care of ourselves and that we're going to be okay once he's gone. Um, but this was a source of quite this, this was a weight, one of those boulders in the ox cart that we were carrying around with us. And again, it was related to our father. And when we, when we really, you know, our, when we got to the end of the week and we were feeling so burnt out and everything else, you know, it was, it was, uh, basically Alux who said, okay, you're, you're taking the weekend off. Don't bother sitting in front of the computer. Don't bother trying to do work. You're not going to get anything. You're going to look at, you're going to be looking at a blank screen. You have to take the weekend off. And yesterday, serendipitously, we ended up having some wonderful conversations with some friends who are on the other side of the world um in asia and the middle east and so on and but their spiritual connections are like one's our spiritual brother and one is uh 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 even closer to us than that and um and in the process of these conversations we they told us exactly what we needed to hear which is you know attila relax do you really think you went through 35 years of hell <laughs> preparing yourself for something that's that's going to fail it's in god's hands it's not it's not in your hands and you know that you're just a typist why are you why do you think that the success of this book hinges on your ability to market it why why are you why do you have that uh why do you have that pride why do you have that why do you have that irrational belief that if you don't make it happen, that it's not going to happen? And it was, and and you're rationalizing it, and you're justifying it on the basis of your father. And guess what? You know, your father's fear is his problem. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get rid of his fear. You're not gonna give him peace by by killing yourself. And aggravating yourself and driving yourself crazy trying to market a book trying to do the work of god that's and trying to do something that's not in your hands you need to let go you need to let go of that and you need to let go of your need to give your father peace that's not your job to do actually and the, and you trying to do that is actually making the book suffer it's making you suffer it's burning you out it's using up so much energy that you need to be actually focused on putting into the keyboard what what Atlas and Alux need you to type into the computer. That's your job. Because you know Atlas can't do that without you. Alux can't do that without the two without without us. That's our job. But once we get it out there into the world, yeah, there's a certain number of things we can do. But those are extra things, like selling signed copies of the book on our website. See, that's no problem. We can send those all over the world. But you know, getting advanced, uh, uh, you know, pre-sales and trying to figure this all this kind of stuff out. You know, just relax. Just let it let the process go and let the book get online. And so, in other words, but it's this. It was the same demon of fear. And it was using our father's fear 
and that we are going to alleviate this time not fighting it but no we are going to save him from his fear we're going to give him peace and holy shit that was that a good story that we were telling ourselves sure. boy that's a spiritual uplifting warm and kind and fuzzy and rainbows and unicorns and oh my god and we're gonna you're gonna you're gonna martyr yourself to save your father and give him some peace so he can die in peace like you see you see how clever and how subtle and how and how our egos will tell us exactly the kind of story they know that we will buy <laughs> Would it be, um, would it be accurate? I think to say that we shack we, the ego can imprison ourselves in the shackles of other people's expectations. Well, there's that, but but this is but this was not coming from my dad. He was not putting these expectations. No, he was not putting I, pressure on me. I mean, in our in our like, uh, let's say in a. In a child's uh, natural desire to want to please the parent, we engage that people-pleasing dynamic. Yes, the PPS, the people-pleasing dynamic, correct. Now, again, the people-pleasing dynamic, you know, nice guys finish last. Yeah. Right? And, and, and that's something that clearly we haven't outgrown and we haven't, we thought we had a handle on it with all the, you know, severity and mercy crap and we're merciless. <laughs> With people online and on Facebook, we don't we don't fall into this trap of the new age. Oh, you have to be kind and kindness and kindness is the highest form of love. Bullshit. That's well, this, total bullshit. Kindness. This was, a, this was the hand grenade I threw into my family's dynamic. Oh, was it? Was it? <laughs> because they're they're people pleasing. It's like that Swedish oh. mentality of nobody <laughs> nobody speaks the truth. Oh, okay. They all whispering behind each other's backs, and eventually I sat there for two days, knowing that this dynamic of 44 years I've witnessed this going on. So I've got into this giant family holiday, thinking I'll go in open-minded, I'll go in as neutral as I possibly can, <laughs> in meditative mind, in prayer, hoping for the best, and da -da 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 -da, and like okay, so I really, really went into that week as With mentally, emotionally well prepared as I could. And then for the first two days, it's like I'm taking sniper fire from every direction, and I'm like I've done nothing to provoke this. <laughs> so, uh, do you know what? Have that. <laughs> I'm out of here. And I literally went and walked up the mountain. I disappeared. I just like I went and spoke to my son the next morning, dude. I spoke to him about the hero's journey. I was calm. I was rational. It wasn't uh, reactive. It was responsive. Uh, and then in the aftermath of it, because it's like, I'm trying to let you actually have as much peace as you can. I, I'm not expecting any of you to change. <laughs> so I'll make the change. I'll peacefully, quietly just remove myself from this situation. But that's a, that is a, still a form of energetic hand grenade going off in the family because they weren't, it's like, a, I've said all I can say. I don't know how, how many times can you explain things to people before it gets to the point of insanity go if, you, if you've logically nodded your head and said yes you agree and it makes sense and yet the dynamic continues <laughs> yeah well no because they they're just nodding to uh get you to shut up 
Yeah. They just because so, they, they don't want to hear it anymore. No. So I went, okay, then I'll just and take that, myself that, out that, of it. That, <laughs> I'll go climb that, the mountain. But you see, that's the that's the people pleasing mentality, right? The people pleasing mentality is a very superficial thing, and it's a very self serving thing. Mm. And so, and but um, especially now, you're you're obviously in the UK, am I right? Yeah. Okay, so a British or? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, that's a very, very, very British thing, actually. Oh, stiff upper lip. It's classic Victorian stiff upper yeah. lip. You don't speak about your emotions. And I see the I see the scar tissue. I see the dynamics. And in a long story short, my brother's married jealousy since we were children. I have no idea why he's come into this life with that dynamic. I uh, cut my father. My mother and father broke up when we were about I was about seven. I then cut my father out of my life completely because he'd self destructed and did whatever he did. Uh, so I took control as a seven year old and just gone. You know what? You can't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in our cases, it was about something quite simple, actually. It was about doing the dishes, uh, where my father told me several times uh, to do the dishes. And uh, eventually, I um, started to get going with the dishes, and he told me again, you need to get this done. <laughs> and that was the pin that uh, blew my whole temperament, so... I basically shouted whatever I shouted at him and uh, left the building, almost uh, smashed the door to pieces on my way out. Now, the interesting thing is uh, two things. First, uh, it's not just a British thing. It's also a very, very Japanese thing. Mm. So this is where we, uh, navigating that uh minefield is because you know the jab it's it's very they have the inner self and the outer self but again it's culturally it's a very clever way that the uh the national uh collective the collective unconsciousness of the japanese have taken their buddhist spirituality and philosophy and twisted it into a a cultural social norm where they they project a false outer self while the, and then their 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 inner self is just their ego mm. right but then they project this false outer self of now there's some very pleasant and nice things about it so it's a very it's more complicated than just as as it's presented to us like we were taught about this here in Canada while we were undergoing our training to become teachers um, in Japan. And they said, well, you have to understand the Japanese social order and the Japanese culture and blah, 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 and this and, that and the other thing. And then when you get to Japan, you, you find out, you know what? This, this, this bullshit that they, that they were t telling us back in Canada, it's not yeah there's an aspect of it but it's re people are very warm and open and whatever and that's not that's not a false self that they're projecting but the thing is is that that that's false self is the Jap japanese people only project that to like gaijin and others 
under certain circumstances where mm. it's culturally inappropriate to show emotion or where it would where they don't want to open up right because they want to be they want to be protected they want to be uh, uh, behind their armor their social armor their cultural armor which is this 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 outer self this public self um, but in our case uh, so many Japanese people told us this too it's like you know what you're it doesn't matter. You, you you might be white. You might be this. You might be tall. You might be Hungarian. You might be many things. But you're Japanese, and so they would do. They would. Do, they just opened up to me like 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 this, right? So I didn't see a lot of that that inner self, outer self going on. Uh, in some cases, I did, like my my uh, girlfriend's mother, for example. But that's a, that's another. Uh, but then even then, when she opened up to me and I saw her true colors, well, I've told that story before, but. The second thing I wanted to mention about this is, Stuart, why were you born into that family, you wonder? Clearly, I had something to learn because my, I would say it is my natural temper. Well, I know it's a combination, nature and nurture. I've looked back through my own journey and gone, where did this raging inferno for freedom and sovereignty come from? And the closest thing I can come to it was as a, at the point where my mother and father split up, I was actually living in Scotland at around the age of five, six, seven, eight years old. So I had the whole world to go play in. Mm. I literally had the entire world to go play in. Scotland was mine. Mm. I may as well have been William Wallace and Braveheart starting out in life. And then I come to the polar opposite end and end up living after the breakup. I end up living in the southeast of England and it is the just overcrowded, overrun, everyone chasing around, everyone in their own self-confined prisons of madness and whatever they're doing. And I'm looking around going, well, this is nonsense. <laughs> I know what it is to be free. And then mixing in the culture, all stiff upper lip and all the other nonsense. And I'm going, but you're all lying to yourselves. It's like, mum, you raise your child to be honest. I'm pushing. I know I'm pushing the boundaries because I've told this story many times to people. It's like I literally used to tell deliberate lies just to see whether people were paying attention or not. And I'd be talking absolute shit and it would just go, like, wow, unbelievable. All you've got to do is sound like you know what you're talking about, and that's good <laughs> enough for people. Wow! Because they, because number one, they're not really they're not really listening, and number two, they don't really care. No. So then I was like, I was just chatting to my ex-wife about it today. I was like, if I'd had real bad heart to go with this madness of mind, it's like I could have been a real con man or a master criminal, or whatever. Because it's like taking candy from a baby. These people are stupid. Well, they're not stupid. They're just whatever clogged up. <laughs> They are what they are. They're, they they're, are they are they are self concerned. Yeah, and, they, so, and, and uh, I see that see that dynamic in my family, and I'm looking at my child and going, and I can see the light going out in him because he's seeing what's going on and fitting into that thing. And I'm going, I need to make an appropriate response here because this is dragging my own child down. Never mind what I can live with, whatever's happened to me. I can't look my child in the eye and myself in the mirror and go, I didn't do anything to stand against this nonsense. How old were you when uh, that uh, shift from Scotland to the south of England happened? Uh, when, your, came, when your parents broke up? Yeah, I would have been eight years old. Um, and the, the emotional, when I've gone through the story, it was like, okay, I can remember all the rows, the noise of plates breaking, this, that, and the other. My 
interpretation as a child was mother's just disappeared so there's an abandonment issue then she resurfaces months later kidnaps us takes us away from my hero father uh now i'm looking like are you gonna do something because this woman's now kidnapping me <laughs> against my will i want to stay here in my freedom and i'm getting taken to i don't know where uh and then he hit the bottle and disappeared in alcoholism and whatnot so i broke off the relationship with him and then I've had this long stand and then my mum also had some emotional damage from her mother dying very young. My mum was young when she had me and her mother died just before I was born. So I can see that my mother has just buried herself into good deeds and staying busy and doesn't face any of the things that have blocked her. So she's not a bad egg. She really is a good mum. Blessed to have her. I can also see the damage it's doing to everybody by not clearing whatever it is you're trapping inside you and then wow. in that uh, i know i can't force um, and it's not right to force other people to try and change i can only work on myself and in doing that i got to a point where um, i also had this provocation in the first two days where my jealous brother i don't know how this plays out with demons and egos and stuff i'd be interested on your perspective is making jokes about child sacrifice I'm just like, wow. Because my emotional response was to fly across the room and pull his tongue out of his mouth. And do you understand what words actually do? Did you hear a word of what I've said in the last however many years that your words construct your reality and you've sat there and gone to the door? This is the same brother that two years ago came to me and said, I think humanity's doomed and there's nothing we can do about it. And I've looked at him and gone, you've got three children. Where's your fucking warrior? <laughs> what 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 is going on there? And the minute I start showing that fire, he runs away. And I'm like, oh, you make it very 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 difficult to talk to you on a calm level. Let's um um let's come back to that in a moment. But first, mm -hmm. uh, Benjamin has a uh, uh, comment here. He says. Um, I have a family problem similar to Stuart's problem. I feel if I peacefully, quietly walk away, it is kind of a self-sabotage, a, uh, a sort of them saying, oh, uh, oh, he he's just practicing self-restraint as a, as a mockery. So it seems like Sort of them saying uh, he's just practicing self-restraint as a mockery. So, if we understand what you're saying there, Benjamin, you have a similar situation where you prefer to walk away and uh, not a hundred percent clear, Benjamin. What does do you guys, Stuart? Does that? Well, not quite, because I have effectively walked away. I came back. Yeah. I went away from that holiday. I left them in in it because to some degree I was like at the time I felt I had three options and then I looked at it a few days afterwards because it took me some time to process and gone maybe I actually should have just absolutely gone at all of them there and then in that moment but I chose to defer and go I'm going to step away from this whole situation I'm going to go walk up a mountain I'm leaving this at this 
scenario. I'm going to leave the rest of you to enjoy the rest of your week because we've got four or five young children there. And I didn't feel it was the healthiest, kindest, most merciful action for me to go full apocalyptic volcano on them, which is what my visceral reaction was to my brother's words. And my mum sat there laughing along with him. And I'm like, wow. But like, you but you do hold them in contempt, do you not? I hold the words in contempt, but yet I still love them. I have this I have this thing that I've carried for some time ago. I can despise the actions, but love the person. Because I had another dynamic within this family that played out last year when the pandemic stuff was going on. And we were in lockdown and this, that and the other. And my mum's husband has started spouting off after reading a media newspaper going, oh, everyone needs to be forced vaccinated. And I absolutely blew up because me, that was a violation of free will. And I've gone, that's the same. Like I've gone off on my heated thing. That's the same shit the Nazis were coming out with. And bring that needle to my door and see what happens. Um, and so I got banned from the family house after that incident. Okay, now, like, hmm. no, go, no, go on, go on, finish. So after that, I was like, I don't, I'm lost as to to respect the, the sanctity of free will. I've then at one point actually spoken directly to my brother and said, can you tell me what is truly um, sacred? And he sat there just, Gormless couldn't respond, and like this is an intelligent dude with a like a high position job, where right? he's not thick. I'm like, how as a human being, like basic human being level, can you not respond to that? I'm like, I've got massive alarm bells going off in my head now. Like, what on earth is going on here under the surface of these things? Um, and I'm like, I accept the family's decision. They want to keep me out of the family house because according to my stepfather's decision, it's like, all right. And at that point, I'm left literally sleeping on the floor in an outbuilding. And similar to your journey, I've had all these options and all these routes and I'm kind of unemployable because <laughs> whatever, unless the owner employs me, um, I tend not to get jobs. So uh, I was like, right, okay. And I know I've got all this work to do on myself and I've not been taking action and blah, 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 blah. So it's easy for them to look down on me in a weak position. And then my words don't carry weight. So, um, Benjamin agrees here with the word that we used, contempt. Um, and I think Benjamin recognizes that he has contempt Mm. his family just like you do mm. and um i think it's well and good that we had an opportunity to spend two hours sharing with you our own experience and how easily we fell into the trap mm. of uh uh because you know the whole purpose was uh, the whole purpose of this particular topic was unveiling the 
the tremendous trap that the spiritual mm. warrior trope uh, represents. Like everything on the path, like every single conceivable possible aspect of the path, from strong intuition, from premonitions, from clairvoyance, from powers, from the ability to travel in the astral plane, you name it. You, from animal communication, it doesn't matter. Every single advance that we make on the path, every, every single one of those is a trap. And um, Benjamin and yourself have contempt for your family. And mm -hmm. you justify it on, on uh, hate the sin, love the sinner, hate the sin. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but that's just bullshit you tell yourself. Mm -hmm. That's just, you're just kidding yourself. You have, you, you have an extraordinarily, you have an extraordinary superiority complex and you have tremendous contempt mm -hmm. for people who are clearly not awake. Mm. they're they're trapped in the zombie apocalypse mm. and you have no patience for that you have no patience mm. for them and you can tell yourself that you love them they're your family but of course you know what that's that's every person in every family falls back on that mm. yeah 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 he's family of course i love him mm. in the same way that my father loves me and 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 you know and um, and my brother loves me. I'm pretty sure I still love you. I can't speak to each other. Yeah. Okay. Not because I don't want to, just he wants nothing to do with me. And mm -hmm. so I respect that. I don't try to force it anymore. I know we have nothing to talk about. Or if we do, he holds me in contempt. Right? Which is why I don't force the issue and I don't try to speak to him and I don't try to show him my true self because he holds me in contempt. Why would I force upon him something which I know is going to visibly and energetically and clearly and palpably upset him? Mm. You don't realize that this is how your family is treating you. Because they know you hold them in contempt. So they don't show you who they really are. They only show you that superficial outward self, that Victorian thing, because that's the armor that they, that they hide behind, they stand behind to shield themselves from the contempt that you have for them. Mm -hmm. Because they don't want to hear what you have to say. They don't want to hear your tests and challenges of a spiritual esoteric nature. That's not who they are. But why should you be forcing that upon them? Why should you be demanding that they be that way? Well, I shouldn't. Clearly, I shouldn't. Because when you told the story at the beginning about the demon coming in and tracking your room and this and the other, and I was just like, I've just done the same thing. That's the same analogy, the allegory in this story. And gone, how on earth do I move that now when I've been doing this for as long as I can remember? Well, we just we told you that we were having the conflict with our father mm -hmm. for you know 35 years and that that this that just this week we realized we're still trying to please our father we're still trying to get validation from our father and it's mm -hmm. we're sabotaging ourselves in the process and it's just fear and the desire to control desire to control our father 
and then this type it was but it was packaged so beautifully wouldn't it be great if our father could have peace oh we can orchestrate that we can make that we can make that happen mm -hmm. like and that's 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 me trying to force my desire and trying to uh, uh, force changes in circumstances and force him to change. Why? Because my fear, it's weighing heavy on my conscience, the fact that my father is worried about me. I don't want that sword of Damocles hanging over my head anymore. I don't want to carry that burden of my father is worried about me and my, my father can't die in peace because of me and because of this path. Thank you, so I'm now imposing on my path and imposing on him the alleviation so I don't have to feel that guilt anymore. Perfect. Guilt, guilt is exactly the right word. Exactly the emotion. As you were unloading that, I was like, yeah, it's guilt, it's guilt. I can feel the guilt. You feel, feel guilty. Guilt. You feel guilty. You feel responsible for this family of yours. And, 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 and the way they are, and you're like, and, and you get upset and you get frustrated because every time they, uh, they, uh, they express themselves who they are and that's not who you are and that's not what you want to be. And that's not the type of family you want to be in. And somehow you feel like you're responsible for that or, or I, I'm not sure exactly, but it's, but, but when you say that, that, that the guilt was resonating with you. Mm -hmm. it's there is that family is trying to teach you something and what it's trying to teach you is acceptance mm -hmm. and allowing let them be you know what if you let them be they will show you their true self they will open up you, you know let's it's the, it's exactly the same approach that uh, but more uh, actually in the same way, you just want like that idyllic life that you lived in Scotland, okay? Mm -hmm. That was shattered when you were when you moved to the south of England, and you were like you were you were plucked from your idyllic life in Scotland and thrown into a prison in the south of England at the age of eight. That exact experience happened to us at roughly the same age mm. when we were plucked from my our idyllic utopia in toronto and thrown into pink floyd's the wall here in guelph and we went from this idyllic new age uh, uh like uh, elementary school that was an experimental school with no desks and no rows and it was like this open free form you know, learning environment and everything. And we went from that thrown mm. into this circa 1927 pre-World War II industrial rows. And I mean, the desks were 150 years old. They had inkwells in the, in the, in the desk. We, we, we experienced something very similar at the same time in our life. And we can, we can tell you that we developed a uh, enormous superiority complex uh, and and that the last 35 years and that superiority complex 
ran right through high school uh, and university. Mm-hmm. And it's taken 35 years of that going through hell and life beating the shit out of us. Mm-hmm beating us down over and over and over and over again. What? Why? Humiliating us and having us to crawl back on our hands and knees to the man, to the one man in the world that we wanted validation from more than any. And we wanted to be able to say, we wanted to be able to hear from his voice that he was proud of us. But then he was always trying to change us. And, 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 the desire for validation from him is me trying to change him. And the narcissism of that, the pride of that, the superiority complex of that, looking down on everybody and everything, and then somehow expecting them to open up to you and be honest with you, mm-hmm. and to be fair with you when you hold them in contempt. We would, we, we hopefully, you will recognize that all of your suffering and everything that you're going through and everything that you're being putting through is trying to teach you some humility. That's why life humiliates us. Mm-hmm. Humiliation is not a bad word. Humiliation is a glorious gift. Oh, I've got, because... a, second, I've got a second hand grenade with humility written on it that I, <laughs> I need to swallow. You can, We cannot accomplish anything on the path without radical humility, because it's radical humility that allows us to undergo the process of psychological death. It's radical humility that allows us to surrender to our innermost being, who, by the way, we have no, we are not entitled to any kind of superiority by virtue of the powers or the gifts that are given to us by our by our true self those are gifts that are given to us they can be taken away they can be lost mm-hmm. but we are certainly not the ones who are quote qualified to use those gifts it's our true self who is qualified to use those gifts and as we are undergoing awakening we become we just know things right and we see things and we know things and what and these people around us they're just like they don't know anything. They can't see anything. And then we have we hold them in contempt because of that. But the only reason why we can see or know anything is because of our innermost being, our higher self, our level of being. So when we look at anybody, anybody who's asleep or not at our level of being, we say to our innermost being, we say to our divine mother, we say to God, we pray, we say, there but for the grace of God go I. That was me at some point. Maybe not this lifetime, but at some point, that was me, sleeping and ignorant, hypnotized and ignorant. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to respect everyone, no matter where they are, no matter what level they are on. Now, does that mean we indulge them? And does that mean we have to be a people pleaser all the time? Do we, does that mean we have to tell them what they want to hear? No, because we tried that. I tried that. I tried that. That doesn't work. That's a catastrophe waiting to happen. You have to be your honest self. 
<clears throat> but what you don't have to do is expect people to return that in kind. And you can be at the level that you are, but you, you can't expect others to be able to match you at that level if they're not at that level. Yeah, we learned the hard way mm -hmm. of sincerity and respect. And mm -hmm. that really has a foothold now in our life, uh, at least, to treat people yeah. with sincerity and respect and really understand that concept in depth. Uh, mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you you will get trapped by that superiority complex. And and understand that we can learn. We have something to learn from everybody we meet. Yeah, <clears throat> they can be a, a a homeless person on the street. Mm -hmm. They can be a <clears throat> they can be a, 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 a an autistic person or a mentally retarded person. And even though that's not a politically correct term. But but they, but they they can be you know they can be a a, a farmer a, a a peasant a, or or a, they can be a nuclear researcher it doesn't matter. Um, we learned the value of this when we were being called sensei. We were in Japan teaching English. We were teaching English. We we're teaching these people how to order fast food from McDonald's and stuff like that. Like, like travel language is what we were mostly teaching most of the time, not all the time, most of the time. And, um, and our students were calling us sensei. For us, the word sensei is like, like master. We're not, we're not master. We were no, you know, so, so, but also that culture holds respect and dignity and honor very very high on their on their value list and everybody was coming into that room my english language skills were superior to theirs that's why i was there that's why they 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 were coming to that school but i recognized that i i don't know anything and i don't certainly don't know anything about this country when in Rome, do as the Romans do, every class, I was teaching them English. They were teaching me about everything else and mostly all things Japanese. And we had one student named Hattori, Hattori Sensei. We call him Hattori Sensei because he was 73 years old, a practicing, he was a practicing uh, pediatrician. And he just came in a couple uh, times a week for an hour, private lesson, one-to-one, -one, just conversation. He just wanted to practice his English. So all we did for an hour, a couple times a week, was just talk. And lots of times it was just me listening because he wanted to practice, right? So we, so he would, we, we, we would talk. And when it came time... For us to leave Japan, we uh, it was our final uh, class with him, just one on one, just to, like it always was, intimate and private. Uh, we said to him, Hatori Sensei, you know, for the you know for the past ten months, I have been your sensei in English only. You have been my sensei in everything else. And 
he was so taken, he was so moved by that. And 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 he just he recognized that the bond of friendship that we had forged over those 10 months was real and that and that experience and i was being completely honest and sincere i was not you know telling him what he wanted to hear speaking the truth of of what was in my heart because i had learned so much about japanese culture tradition history buddhism you name it because every week for two hours with hattori sensei i'm a 73 year old historic history buff and science buff and <laughs> and and i could just listen to him and ask him questions and, and have a and have a, a conversation and share back and forth and he wanted to hear about hungary and europe and my upbringing and canada and so on and so forth and there was this wonderful knowledge exchange the whole time he was calling me sensei and i said no 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 hattori you are hattori sensei that's a in japan you can say that when someone is in a um in a position of honor or respect like an elderly statesman or a scholar or something you would say you would you, would, you wouldn't say hattori san you would say you say hattori sensei even though he wasn't a teacher but it's a it's a sign of respect it's a sign of recognition of the wisdom of your elders in this particular case and your family has something to teach you but you're convinced that they don't mm, humility and that's why they are the way they are because they're not going to open up to you and it's not about you bringing yourself down to their level no no it's quite it's 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 quite the opposite they they have they have so much you have so much to learn from them mm -hmm. like every time i you know i quietly sit and listen to my brother and anytime he has anything to say and i learn a lot from him he's a very worldly person in hungarian we say he's uh he like a cat he always lands on his feet right and we have an expression we have an expression in hungarian we literally say uh yeah he falls on his feet he uh he's a uh, tall he's um he he's he's on the soles of his he fell on the soles of his feet that's literally what we say in hungarian but the express means the same thing. He's like a cat. He always lands on his feet. The Eng English have something similar. His ass landed in butter. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Not um, quite so pleasant, but. But, uh, and you know, we, we are not, we don't have those worldly skills and that worldly knowledge. We don't have that materialist. We're not successful in the material, the, the game of the materialists. Mm. That's not the game that we came here to play right we are dealing in the currency of the supernal worlds all right our heads are in our, our head our head is in the clouds so to speak even though we like to talk about being infinitely practical and everything else the reality is 
is that we are not infinitely practical from a materialist perspective. Right? It's like my brother's got my brother has a, a monopoly on that, and my father has a mon they, they have the monopoly of that knowledge in the family. So I have much to learn from them mm. and listening to them when they when they talk. Whether I use that or not, it's irrelevant. That's a world that's completely foreign to me. And so, and but that's their world. And we can, and it doesn't, it doesn't serve them and it doesn't serve me to look down on my so-called materialist family and my so-called materialist brother and hold them in contempt mm. because what, you know, and, and it also doesn't serve them. It doesn't serve me for me to try to shove down their throat anything of what I share with you here on this live stream mm. or the stuff that's in the book. My brother's not going to read my book. I'm not going to buy him a copy of my, I'm not going to send him a copy of my book at Christmas because it's, it's not going to be taken as a gesture of goodwill. Mm. It's going to be taken as he wants nothing to do with anything I have to say. And neither does your, does your family mm. want to hear your highfalutin, you know, you, you, they don't want to, they, they don't want you dropping hand grenades from 20,000 feet on them. They want you to come down, land your plane, get out of the plane, and come and have tea mm. with them down on the ground with like normal mm -hmm. people. Can you just do that? Yeah. It took us a long time. Took us took me a long time <laughs> to learn how to do that and be that way. Around now, I can live with my my dad, and we can have conversations. And so I never bring up anything esoteric. I never. I send him articles on like the stock market and this and that, like. Like, we, you know, I talk to him about cars and electric cars and politics mm. and stuff like the stuff that he's interested in. I can find, I can, I can have a conversation about that. I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not upset with him when he brings up subjects with me that I really don't have interest in. I can, I can be interested in lots of things. I can be made to be interested in lots of things. Mm to be well-rounded and, and and expand our horizon but it's also very very important to understand if you have something that you want to accomplish out in the world your family is trying to teach you what it is you're dealing with out there in the world they're trying th your family is is the world mm -hmm. and and if you have contempt for your family and you go out into the world with that same contempt, uh, you're not going to do very well. No, and I haven't been. And so the, the blindingly obvious now for me is humility and trust. Trust in your higher self. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Trust in the process and allowing and having faith that <clears throat> allowing, allowing, surrendering to your higher self and humility above all. You're not qualified. None of us. I'm not qualified. Mm -hmm. And I just take I, and again. That lesson, always, I'm relearning that lesson all the time in different and more subtle ways, just like this week, where Aluk says, okay, take the weekend off. Why? Because you're burning yourself out trying to do something that you're not qualified to do, that you're not able to do. You think mm. you're going to figure it out? You think that you're going to get the machinations going? You think that you're going to like figure out the, the, the Rubik's Cube puzzle or the, or the combination lock? that's going to unlock and make the book popular or not popular in the world? You think you're going to figure that out? You got another thing coming. Take the weekend off, 
go sit in the corner and think about what you did. <laughs> Pretty much my, you know. my weekend as well. I went and played tennis with my son and talked to my ex-wife and because she was the one person that actually registered something was badly off before I even threw the hand grenade. And it's like, thank you for being that wise counsel. Uh, Mugaboo22 is going to, uh, wants to uh, get his... Uh get his um, uh, share here on the and on the conversation until very recently I used to judge people a lot especially fat and obese people like bro go to the gym or something eat a salad for once it says but he falls out but who am I to judge sure their addictions indulgences are visible to anyone while mine are hidden to the eyes of the world but God sees everything mm-hmm. what if God judged me as harshly as I judge others but God has very has been very merciful to me and to all of us. Excuse me. I should at least extend some grace to others. So thank you, Mugaboo, uh, for that comment. And let's add grace to our list of these magical words that uh, that we are uh, coming up with, including. Um, uh, uh, humility and surrender and trust and allowing uh, let's add grace to that because you know say what you will about the Victorian era and people in a stiff upper lip and people holding up appearances and everything else uh, dial that back a few hundred years and uh, you end up in the age of chivalry and um, where a knight, true paladins, right? True warriors of light, uh, they, they took these vows. Now, did they keep them? Some did, some didn't. But the point was, is that those vows uh, were always, always in the, in the, uh, in the vein of be upright and virtuous and speak the truth and and uh, safeguard the helpless and you know and uh, and and uh, find your strength through the grace of the Holy Spirit, which is the Divine Mother. And uh, they were servants of God. They were basically, you know, uh, a warrior priest class like the samurai in Japan. And we can argue the details around that and the politics around that. And, and you can take a cynical, uh, what do you call it, um, revisionist historical perspective on it. But, but that famous uh, Ronin, uh, is it? Miyazaki Musisho? Was, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, so terrible with names anyway, but he wrote... Miyamoto Musashi. Yeah. Yeah, Miyamoto Musashi. Correct. Um, that's correct. And he wrote uh, The Way of the Warrior, right? The Way of Bushido. Mm-hmm. He, it was... And... And it's, it's, it's a... It's just, it's just extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And he was... He was he was the prototypical like sp- like spiritual warrior but he was a true spiritual warrior 
and uh, and you can and he wrote down his tenets. He wrote down his spirituality, and it's it's all it's all humility and service and sacrifice, and and it's all about respecting your adversary and disarm your adversary. Don't decapitate him. Disarm him. Like all martial arts, like kung fu itself was designed to do was all about disarming your assailant to spare him the karma of becoming a murderer of becoming a killer you disarm and subdue and you win the respect because again japan even at that time actually even more so then right honor honor was was a very very high on their uh on their totem pole of values and with honor was you if you are defeated in battle if you're defeated in one-on-one -on -one combat you owe the one who defeated you that your life is in their hands this goes all the way back to um actually this is um not just in the far east but this was across the eastern world and it actually gets reflected in uh, the kingdom of heaven where uh, Balian defeats the uh, cavalier who wants to fight him for the horse wants to take his horse and he defeats him and uh and uh his servant says i'm your slave right because you defeated my master i i owe you my life now because he was my master but you defeated him now you are my master like this is just the way things worked like the honor across asia was there and it was it was it was upheld and it was respected there was a code and that's one of the reasons why during the crusades the uh, that that period of history and uh, between um uh king baldwin and salahuddin and that uh that peace that detente which they established was based on mutual respect and honor. And said, so like, I can't just go and sack Jerusalem because there's an honorable king sitting on the throne. I can't go and dishonor myself and dishonor him. He's my, he's a friend. He's a, he's a, he's an ally. He's a, he's a, he's, he's my equal. I can't just go and ransack his kingdom because just, just, you know, it's like there was this, it was a different time. We certainly don't live in those times anymore. People certainly don't consider these types of concerns anymore, but they should. But they should. Because th that because humility and respect and sincerity and 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 honoring others and honoring you know that those difficult family members and honoring our so-called adversaries right we you want to really know what the spiritual warrior is yeah miyamoto musashi or even sun tzu when he says uh know your enemy know yourself even more and that's that's a it's a it's there in that teaching in that quote but it's subtle but what he's saying is your adversary out there is not really your adversary that's not really the person you defeat 
knowing your enemy is one thing, but you have to know yourself even more because that is the real battlefield. Every general, every tactician, every strategician is, is battling their own limitations. Every chess player will tell you this. The opponent on the other side of the table is there to bring out the best and worst in us, to test us. In chess, our opponent is our adversary, but not our enemy. And their pieces, their pieces are ruthless on the board. And so we respond in kind. We must be ruthless on the board. You can't afford to be a people pleaser while you're playing chess. You have to be ruthless, but not vindictive and not spiteful. Contemptuous. Not uh, you know, and not, and you don't you don't play chess with with anger or frustration or any kind of uh, malediction towards your opponent, even though you're moving the pieces ruthlessly on the board. And when the game is over, you shake hands and you go and you have coffee or tea or a drink with your opponent. You talk about the game. Oh, you know, you really had me on the ropes when you had the when your rook and your bishop had me and you almost pinned my queen and you had that discovery attack and da, 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 I thought I thought it was finished. <laughs> it's 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 a dance. Bruce Lee, who is one of, certainly in the West, one of the most iconic and famous, regardless of what you think of him, regardless if you think that he was a fraud, because many people do, regardless, he was one of the most iconic and famous martial artists who really did popularize martial arts in the West. He was a championship uh, um, ballroom dancer in Hong Kong. And um, and much of what he says about being like water and the highest form is no form and all of his, because he was very uh, radical for the uh, traditionalists in Kung Fu, but all of that uh, sensibility came to him in part through his experience dancing. And Bruce Lee never danced the steps, right? You know, they draw the steps on the, on the, on the floor and you you know you right i know this because i also ballroom dance i learned how to i learned how to dance uh way back when i was like five six years old because i used to figure skate and i did ice dancing and i also went to the hungarian canadian club we had dances there we, I, I learned the polka and i heard i learned uh uh the chardash which is a, hung, uh, a hungarian ballroom dance and uh, later on, when I was older, and when I was in university, and I was doing English drama and studying to be a uh, you know a, a radio and television announcer. I became the uh, master of ceremonies at the uh, Hungarian Helikon Ball, which was a debutante ball, and we had it was a debutante ball in the style of the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire, and we held it at the Royal York Hotel in downtown Toronto, and. Um, and after I finished my emceeing duties and the ball began, I was dancing. But I never danced the steps. 
I'm over the steps. I'm past the steps. And I never really dance. You can't dance the steps on ice. So on ice, you're, you're flowing. It's frozen water, but you're flowing across it when you're skating. And so I learned that. I, I, I did that. That's part of my experience growing up, learning how to dance and knowing how to dance that way. I know the steps. I was taught the steps. But I never, I never danced the steps on the ice. And so when I go dancing, I just, I dance like Bruce Lee does martial arts. And actually when I studied Kung Fu, it was very quickly after that, that I was like, I was just dancing. And I learned acting the same way. You know, we learn that you, you learn the efforts, you learn these, I learned acting as a martial art. You learn these, these forms, these moves, but then on stage, they vanish and you're just, you're just, you're just in the, you're just in the flow. You're just moving with it. You're like water. You're allowing everything to move you and move through you. And so this rigid, uh, 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 you know, confrontational, heavy, aggressive, violent, reactionary, <laughs> Right. This is not. This is not the warrior way. This is not a true warrior. Um, we have to be watchful and vigilant and ready, prepared, on the balls of our feet to go with the flow. With what and we we talked about. We had a, a live stream that we did on the flow, and we have to be this way. Because our adversary is, for all of its mechanicity, for all of its mechanicity, we, we can see in our own lives how flexible and how it is able to customize its lies and its deceptions and the rationalizations and justifications and the stories that we tell ourselves. That's coming from our adversary. It's like we are the adversary, right? We all of us are our own adversary. And the shit we tell ourselves to convince us otherwise, how great we are, how special we are, how spiritual we are, how superior we are, all of that, all of that. It's, it's like chat GPT Imagine if ChatGPT could uh, see and hear and scan and know you and generate its own prompts for what was going to fascinate you and what you were what you would think would be cool or what you would think would be awesome or what you would right. Like if you understand the way the AI, the chat GPT model works, you got to tell the AI what to produce and it produces it for you. Just imagine if that AI knew you and knew your psychology and knew and had access to your intuition, had access to, to, to right? 
And what if it could design, perfectly design scams that were perfectly formulated to your personality and to your level of being and to your mission in life and to your attachments and identifications and, and everything else. And then observe that in yourself and recognize because that's what you're fighting against. That's your adversary. That's why one of the best adversarial uh, uh, relationships, well, there's two really good ones that come to mind. The first one is Sherlock Holmes and Professor Moriarty. Because Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty, they're, they're, they're equals. They're as clever and as ingenious as one another. And sometimes Moriarty wins, sometimes Sherlock Holmes wins. You never know. It's a, it's a toss-up. And the second one that comes to mind is a more, much more uh, a recent one, is uh, Batman and the Joker. And the Joker is very clearly Lucifer. And Lucifer, the Lightbringer, is the one who shines the spotlight on all of our defects and vices, on all of our vulnerabilities. That's what the Joker does. He's a, he's a psycho, yeah, many things. But a psycho, a psycho simply means that he has no empathy. It just means he's mechanical. He's a machine. He's, he's cold-hearted. He has, he has no soul. But he is Batman's foil. And the, whole, the only reason why he laughs, and he's the, the, the Joker, and he's so colorful and so obviously over the top and everything else, is because Batman is so subdued. Batman is behind his armor. Batman is hidden in the so-called Dark Knight. And so Joker is, is, is a foil for him. He's, it's like yin and yang. He ha Joker has to be as outrageous. And that's in every good representation of Batman and the Joker, that's always there. That dichotomy, that that, <clears throat> but make no mistake, on the hero's journey, the path that we're taking, our adversary is no less clever and no less ingenious and no less flexible and no less able to uh, dance and 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 maneuver and be a tactician and be a strategist strategician than we are because there's no point in playing a game if your adversary is not at your level it's not a good match that's the other thing about being a spiritual warrior is we have to understand it is fair but it is not easy Nobody said it was going to be easy. So this idea that the, the very notion of having a superior superiority or being superior to anyone else or being is it's, it's, it's all it's just a trap. The very notion that you would have that we would have contempt for others. Because that's 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 a trap. That's the way that we become overconfident. And uh, and then and that's when we get that's when we get beaten. Our adversary beats us. That's how he beats us. They're mortified when you realize what you've put your family through. 
well, listen, we put our family through a lot. I mean, I, you know, and we still are. I still am. But uh, your family is part of your soul family. And if you really are here on the path, then the people in your life are there for a reason. And the reason they're here is to suffer everything that you put them through. But you recognize that, that yeah, they're, the longer it takes you to learn the lesson that they're here to teach you, the more suffering you're going to be causing them and yourself. And brutal. You know? And so, again, we bring it all, we bring it all back, right? It's, 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 you see how very, very, very different and why, you know, the way the Abrahamic religions and, you know, Islam and, and, and uh, others and the, the new age, the way they see being a spiritual warrior and how it doesn't serve us, it, it, it hinders us, it traps us, thinking that way, that we're going to, we're going to, I'll show them. It's one of the first articles we wrote, right? To, to herd or not to herd. And we, uh, and we wrote that article because it was 100%, like so much of, of what we do, it's, I mean, it's, it's not by accident we, that we uh, say it's, it's self-evident experiential knowledge. It's self-evident only because one day we looked at this craziness that we were doing and we woke up and we went, what, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> and it became self-evident that we were our own worst enemy at every turn. And this article, uh, where are you guys? There you are. Okay. This article, we uh, posted it, uh, okay, nine years ago, nine years ago. To herd or not to herd, right? And then you read here, the humble shepherd, the hidden master, the warrior monk, the noble samurai. How do we relate to them and to the archetype of the magician? In this article, you know, here's the shepherd's crook. Uh, there's many, many things that get revealed. There's our samurai. There's Sean Connery and Connor McLeod. <laughs> if you guys are fans of the Highlander. Uh, there's a shepherd's cook crook practice. There's so much that keeps going on, but uh, we're trying. Okay, they, so there's our uh, pharaoh with the shepherd's crook and the flail, right? The whip. Those are those are our weapons: an illuminated spinal column and the whip of willpower. Now, willpower. Yeah, right. We use that on ourselves, and here it's 
we have the risen kundalini and the third eye and um there's just so much uh illuminate um uh, symbolism that goes with there okay so the uh the image that we're looking for is uh you know what maybe it's uh maybe it's here Well, well, we'll make you guys big again while we're looking for this, so you guys don't see the the, the mess that is our uh, meme folder. <laughs> so organized we are, right? So organized. Here's the. Uh... Okay, we showed you that one. The truth is, I am not a warrior, right? Mm -hmm. None of us are. When we really meditate on allowing and on surrendering and on the whole dancing aspect and the highest form is no form, we realize that we're not the ones moving. We're being moved. We're not the ones moving. We're being moved. And when you dance, you dance to music. And the music determines how you move. There's this wonderful expression. Oh, I heard it from Wayne Dyer, of all people. And I don't know what the original source was, but uh, it goes something like, uh, don't die with your music still in you. And what does it mean to be a warrior? Well, you're not a warrior. You're never going to be a warrior. Your innermost being is the warrior. Your music flows from your higher self. And that music plays to the perennial rhythms of creation in harmony with the cosmic Christ. So what are you really? What are you really? Cast off all notions of superiority complex and everything else because this is what we are. The oath that knights take, they take to God. The oath that your innermost takes, takes to the Christ. In our case, the oath that Atlas took, he made to Alux, all light, God light, the Logos. That's the light and fire that burns the, the all beings, that burns within all beings. That's the music. And Atlas is just playing his role in that orchestra, in that orchestration. 
in that analogy, I, Attila, am a fiddle. I am a horn. I am a drum. I am an instrument of the orchestra. And my inner musician sends forth music into the world through me, his instrument. But that musician is part of that orchestra that is conducted. And together, the army of world salvation is here now playing to the perennial rhythms of creation in the Kali Yuga of this humanity. The music that those who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear it can dance to can feel in their in their heart of hearts that they too they too can be an instrument in that orchestra or to use the symbol on the screen what does it mean to be a gauntlet on the right hand of god To be the gauntlet on God's right hand, on your innermost being's right hand. You are that gauntlet that grips the staff or the flail or the harness of the horse or the spear or the lance that your inner warrior needs in order to defeat the adversary. Because the alternative, and what so many people fall into, is they become this. Thanos, who's the universal cosmic victim of the Marvel Universe, out of, uh, he projects his self-righteous victimhood on a cosmic scale, and he accumulates power, right? The soul stones, and he wears the infinity gauntlet. He puts the soul stones in the infinity gauntlet. There's five of them. Actually, no, there's, there's, there's six, actually. And um, he wears that gauntlet on his left hand. And he says, in defiance, in resistance, in self-righteousness, in righteous anger, and in justice, he will bring balance to the universe. He will solve the problems. And he uses tremendous cosmic power to enact his terrible plan with the snap of his finger. That's the alternative. That's, that's our choice. Do we, are we going to have the, uh, the, uh, 
the outrageous pride to believe that we're qualified to wield that power and listen to the voices in our head having contempt for others and putting ourselves up on a pedestal or are we going to serve Are we going to be the instrument? And are we going to deliver and serve and, 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 and be the, the gauntlet on the right hand and be the weapon that that gauntlet holds? Or are we going to wear the infinity gauntlet on our hand? These are, these are, it's the it's a fair question. <clears throat> this is the choice to be or not to be. To be a true human being, to be a Buddha, to be a true spiritual warrior, to serve the light, to take that oath. Or to say, I'm going to be the one to do it. And I'm going to make it happen. Because everything's about me. And if I don't do it, no one will. Like imagine, like imagine someone in an orchestra deciding that, you know what? I got to do it all. I got to do it all. It's all about me. <laughs> how far was he going to, how far is he going to get? You know, being a one-man band, trying to play a, a, a full orchestra by himself. That's, that's the truth about what a spiritual warrior is. Spiritual warrior is in here. Atlas. Atlas is a spiritual warrior. This guy, I just, I'm just the instrument. I'm just the instrument of war. That's all I am. And I try my best to, I try my best to fit like a glove on the right hand of Atlas. That's my job. And, and every now and then, like I did last week, I, I find I, I, I wake up and I realize, oh shit, I've been Thanos trying to wield the Infinity Gauntlet. Happens all the time. Same thing. I told you guys, we're not here walking on water. We're not here raising the dead. What are we here? We're here suffering. We're here going through this shit. Why? So we can bear our soul and show you guys what we go through and show you the nuts and bolts of it how it actually the, the the mechanics of it the machinations of this our adversary why so you guys can learn from our mistakes and hopefully in some small way you can be inspired by our successes the book of that's, what not to do. that's the yin and the yang of it right 
to do and what not to do, to be and not to be. That's where our purpose is to show and the show must go on. That's why we had to go on the stage. That's why we had to learn from, from Master Lusco, who's, who's not with us anymore. But that's why we had to learn acting as a martial art, acting as, as sculpting with pure energy. Because our hero, our hero of heroes is Master Shakespeare. Sir Francis Bacon. <laughs> also known as, uh, uh, oh geez, just the name just, just left. Oh. Uh, help us out, uh, 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 Azazel. Uh, the Count, um, Count, um, ah, he was also Valentinius, Count Saint Germain. Yeah, Count Saint Germain, also known as Kevin Bacon, also known as William Shakespeare. He's our, he's, he's our, you know, he's, we learn more from reading Shakespeare than we did from reading the Bible. All the world's a stage. That's why we went into acting. Because we knew we are Atlas. And if we we're going to dance and and carry the weight of this world through the Kali Yuga, then we have to, we, we're going to have to know firsthand intimately what it means all the world's a stage and we are but players on it. So this is just a player, or sorry, a character, a character. The player is Atlas and the, uh, and you might say the uh, the 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 writer and director is Alux. So that's that's what being a real spiritual warrior is about. It's 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 not doesn't belong to me. Doesn't belong to you. It's 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 that's why humility is so important. Because how can <laughs> You can't get much more humble than resigning yourself to being an instrument, resigning yourself to being a gauntlet, a sword. And you, and you, you accept, you say, I'm not the warrior. The warrior is in me and I have to serve that warrior else that warrior can't go to war. The player can't step out on stage if he doesn't have the role to step into the character that he needs to play. And it's like in Shakespeare in Love, the players are saying, uh, Bill, where's where's our pages for today? You would leave our you would leave you would leave us players? Without, without words to speak? 
<laughs> so it's it's the more we the more we attune ourselves to this, the more we meditate, and the more we observe ourselves with that with the waiting anticipation. Do you, if you've ever owned a dog, you know that that dog's world revolves around you. And that dog is just waiting. Waiting to, you know, waiting on you, watching you. With, you know, razor focus. What's true for most dogs, for a herding dog, it's a thousand times more intense. The way a, a border collie watches and waits and listens for the shepherd's call, the shepherd's calls to see a shepherd work with his border collies, herding sheep. It's magical. It's, it's, it's incredible. But that's what we are. That's what we are. Okay. That's, that's where we are. Whoop. Oh, geez. <laughs> I, I'm looking at my screen and you guys can't see what I'm talking about. Um, uh, this is okay. This is what I was saying, right? There's the, there's the border collie. Okay. Look at, you look at, you look at the, the razor focus of a border collie when he's doing his work. And, and that's really what this article was all about. Right. And we give it away right in the uh, in the in the caption of that of that photograph. Oh, I'm going to cover it up now. All right, it's not a, obviously not a photograph. That that illustration, that graphic. The humble shepherd, the hidden master, the warrior monk, the noble samurai, the archetype of the magician, the archetype of the spiritual warrior. This is this is the relationship. This is where we are, right here. That's us. Can I write? I can't write on the. Uh, I can't write on web pages. I gotta find an app that lets me uh, scribble on, uh, doodle on web pages. <laughs> Stuart's just upset because he didn't get his spaghetti today. <laughs> I got more reasons than that to be upset. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, well, look for what it's worth. Uh, you're not going to get an apology out of us for upsetting you. I don't want one. I want to give my thanks, my gratitude. So you didn't upset um, me. I, I upset me. But speaking of dogs and working dogs and hunting dogs, uh, my uh, my brother is here, and uh, and his Hungarian Vizsla. You many minute now. You're going to hear her whining and crying because she's right outside the door, and she wants to know why I'm not. Uh, 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 attending to her, but we've been three hours and 15 minutes right on the nose. Uh, you know what? Questions, comments, anyone want to add anything to, uh, to today's uh, discussion? Nah. Anyone want to uh, disagree vehemently? <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> I'm so pissed right now. <laughs> yeah, come on, come on. I want to see. I'll you know what? You for this. <laughs> give me, give me a minute. Uh, I'll run upstairs and uh, and get some cheese, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll see. The, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll run upstairs and 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 ski slope some cheese for you, and then. Um, <laughs> You know what? If if we ever if we ever manage to have some kind of a uh, physical gathering, now, you know, you just know, I'm going to prepare special canapes with ski slope cheese, <laughs> and I'm going to put little Swedish flags in them. <laughs> you wait, you wait. Stranger things have happened. And then assembly instructions as well <laughs> on how oh, to right. reconstruct the cheese. <laughs> now I'm going right. to bring a, and if where that happens, I'm going to bring the cheapest, shittest cast knife I can find. <laughs> well, that's 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 a that's the other pet peeve when it comes to cheese. When people don't know how to cut the cheese. Mm. They they cut it this way and this way and this way and this and then you end up with this this uh, you don't know what it is anymore. <laughs> mm. um, no, but in all seriousness, including the chat, if anybody has any comments or questions or anybody wants to uh, uh, disagree uh, vehemently or or uh, agree politely, it doesn't matter. It's your choice. <laughs> it's uh, we won't take it personally either way. Um, but. Um, <laughs> We'll give folks a, an opportunity to uh, to type something if they want to type something. Um, next week, if I'm not mistaken, next week is the 20th, correct? Next yeah. weekend? Okay. Yeah. There is a very good chance that next uh, Sunday will be canceled, our live stream, um, because of the fact that it's St. Stephen's Day. And uh, we probably are going to be roped into a family gathering to celebrate uh, St. Stephen's Day at the uh, Hungarian Canadian Club. And it's an afternoon. I think I've got a high school reunion next Sunday as well. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Mugaboo says, thank you. A very introspective uh, sermon. Uh, we hope, uh, we're glad you... Uh, Got something of value from it, Mugaboo, and thank you for your contribution because uh, you 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 brought a very important aspect to the table with uh, your comment about grace. Because you can't dance without grace, and every instrument has to be tuned to be able to be played with grace. And it's the the mute the grace is in the music, the grace is in the playing. Right? We our job is to be attuned to that. Right. This is what you new, new age people call alignment. Right. But if you what if you're if you're in tune, you can be played with great grace and skill and so on and so forth. But the all the skill and all the grace and all the genius, everything that flows through us, not from us. That's the key. That's the key to keep keep that stay humble, to stay humble. Keep that sense of humility, to keep that sense of purpose and that sense of uh, of service, to really, really feel into this archetype and really re uh, recognize the truth of this in our own lives and practice it and live by it. 
because that's that's the key to uh, to being a, a real spiritual warrior, right? It's to be the gauntlet on the warrior's hand. So we will uh, post, uh, as usual, uh, try to post on Saturday uh, at the latest, uh, letting you know if uh, Sunday is canceled or not. We can't, we, we're not sure yet, but uh, we will do that as always. And or if it's not canceled, you'll... Um, You'll get the uh, the topic that uh, that we'll be discussing, and as always, we can't post it any sooner than Saturday because very often the topic I don't even know what the topic is going to be until Saturday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's always it's like even again this topic was something that I was going through Thursday, Friday, and Saturday myself, and it wasn't until Saturday evening that I could post. That this is what it was going to be about because of course this is what we had to talk about this is what was what was happening and this is this is what's really important benjamin says he learned a lot once again no questions uh thanks uh thanks much no disagreements haha <laughs> <laughs> all right mugaboo says as a child i went to church every sunday now i don't go to church anymore i have replaced sunday service with atlas's teaching oh that's very kind of you that's it's a very kind thing to say. Although, uh, you know, if we wanted to be, uh, if we wanted to be a pain in the butt, we would wag our finger at you. Said, but you should still go to church in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Lay on that guilt. <laughs> Lay on that Catholic guilt. No, no, you have to go to church in the morning. <laughs> no, look yourself at the same time. <laughs> Mugabusa, not to bash the Catholic Church, but I have learned much more in your Sunday service than from church. Well. That's a it's a wonderful thing to say, Mugaboo. We're 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 glad that you uh, that you have that you do, and uh, suffice it to say, uh, when we when we say our purpose is to show and the show must go on. Um, rest assured that um, you know Atlas is doing something right because. You're not the first one to to share that kind of sentiment uh, with us. In fact, um, someone, and it was no, it was uh, yeah. These are uh, some of the testimonials on our website, and this is from a fellow named uh, Salute, and he says, "My life has changed for the better." And I owe it all to my Divine Mother and I owe Atlas because I have read many countless writings and teachings of Jesus. I have read many of Master Samael's books, but Atlas Alux's teaching is more direct and better suited for the times we live in. Oh, we, I can, uh... we, you know, and this is what, so what Mugaboo is just echoing here is... Uh, um, Oh, once again, we didn't put it on the screen. Anyway, anyway, you heard it. Um, Mugaboo is echoing that, and it warms our heart to hear that, not because we want to hear it, but because we know we're on the right track then, because it was when we were studying Samael and Weor, and, uh, and we've mentioned this countless times. We take absolutely nothing away from the work of the instructors of Glorianne. We take nothing away from the Avatar of Aquarius. Uh they do absolutely phenomenal work and work that we could never do. 
but as we ourselves were studying it, we were like, uh, the modern world is not going to take this teaching this way. Yeah, there needs to be there. There has to be another way. There has to be another way to be able to uh, share this information, and and that other way is the path that we're walking and the 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 book that we're writing, the books that we will continue writing, the the articles that we've written, the videos that we've made, and God willing. Um, the talks that we will give and the live talks that we will give and the tours that we will take and the interviews that we will give to show humanity that the teachings are all around them and within them. The living, breathing word of God is all around us and within us. And, and we're here to help people uh, develop the eyes to see and the ears to hear it. Our purpose is to show that and the show must go on. So, and thank you all for being a part of it because you help make it possible. You really do. As Azul says, he's got to go prepare for bed. Okay. Good night and go have your cheese and uh, sleep well. Um, <laughs> Cassandra says, thank you. Much appreciated for uh, this time today to learn and be informed more deeply. You're very welcome, Cassandra. Have you been on before? Because it's a new name. It's a new face. So maybe it's your first time commenting, but thank you for being here. And uh, we hope to see you again and bring bring some friends. Uh, Jennifer says, uh, thank you for your words today. You've helped me to see how what I thought was meeting my family's self-righteousness with truth was actually my own self-righteousness being revealed to me through my loved ones. <laughs> here, here. I, I, I drink to that. Yeah. That. You know what? <laughs> It's it's the same for all of us. That's why they're there, and that's why we're there. Cassandra says, long-time listener. Cassandra, well, thank you for that, and thank you so much for for letting us know that you are here. <laughs> it's, always, it's, it's always lovely to uh, to see fresh faces and new names, and, uh, and if you've been here for a long time, you've been a fly on the wall, then we hope that you've been um, uh, getting lots of value uh, for your time spent with us. So thank you. And again, to all of you, our, our deadline is coming up and we're working hard. We, we, we feel we can get it in under deadline and get our book to the publisher, um, by the end of August, which means if it all goes well, if, you know, touch wood, some, maybe six to eight weeks after that. So sometime in October, Maybe early November, the book will be in, available. So, And uh, Cassandra says, indeed. So it's good to hear. Um, if anybody else has any other comments or questions, let's take them now. Because uh, uh, some of you in Europe uh, want to get to bed, <laughs> like Azazel has already done. He's all ready to go have his cheese and, uh, and uh, <laughs> have his nightmares. That's that's still that's still that's so Swedish though, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, if indeed next week is cancelled, this may be one of our only chances to uh, to tell you to uh, enjoy the rest of your summer because, um, well, I guess we'll have one more show before the end of the summer. 
as Azel says, I'll get you for the cheese, though. <laughs> I'm still I'm still waiting to see that 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 legendary Swedish wrath come out. <laughs> so okay then. Uh thank you all for joining us. Uh Stuart, thank, thank you, you for popping on. We're going to um we're going to uh say goodbye to uh Stuart. Good night. God bless. All right. To all of you, uh, thanks again for being here and uh, spending this time with us. And uh, we're so looking forward to a very bright and a very hopeful future. And uh, we once again want to thank you from the bottom of our heart for being here and giving us a reason to be here every Sunday. Um, as often as we can to uh to give us this practice and give us this this opportunity to uh, to do our work and to do it for those who value it and for those who we know will put it to good use so as always uh, god bless inferential peace and uh, we'll see you again soon take care oh that's not the right one this is the one we're looking for <laughs> <laughs>